Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Robots Radio presents... Hello, Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show podcast. We are on episode 15, and on today's episode, we invite Jarv from YouTube onto the show. We'll discuss his journey as a Destiny content creator. We'll discuss the revelry, the upcoming season of opulence, this week at Bungie, and more on today's episode of the Destiny Show podcast. As a reminder, you can find the Destiny Show podcast on all major podcast platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Podbean, and more. You can also find us on the web at www.destinyshow.com, and you can find us on Twitter at The Destiny Show. So... First up, I want to welcome my co-host, Shadow Price. How's it going? Hey, hey. It's going pretty good. There's a, there's a little bit of salt in the community right now, though. Uh, we're kind of going to get into that a little bit later, because uh looks like Bungie might be, be uh, messing with a few weapons that uh, people kind of grinded pretty hard for. And it's, not, it's funny, because there's other salt. Like in the gaming industry too, like we were all waiting for P5S to be revealed today because we all thought it was going to be Persona 5 for the Switch. Well, apparently it's Persona 5 Scramble, which is a a Warriors. It's a Warriors type of game, like, you know, like the Dynasty Warriors, but with Persona characters. But it's also Um, coming to Switch. But people are (laughs) salty because they were expecting Persona 5, the original. I was too, so we were all thrown for a loop for that. So, yeah, it's been an interesting day, to say the least. Well, what do we learn about assuming things? Oh, yeah. Same <laughs> <Age> old uh, <laughs> thing there. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, lots of cool things going on this week yeah. in gaming. And we also welcome Jarv. Welcome to the podcast, and it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's a it's a late one for me. It's probably about one a.m. now, I think. But I'm here for the long haul. I've got my coffee, got my chocolate. So we appreciate you Ooh, being chocolate. here and everything. Yeah, We're gonna. It's we Easter. won't keep it too long. We'll we'll push through at a at a at a medium pace. So that's okay. <laughs> Shadow tries to control things here on the podcast. He tries to keep things moving smoothly. He's like that. Uh, Pledge master in uh, <laughs> college. <laughs> yes, dr- drink that warm beer. Drink that piss warm beer. <laughs> drink that Keystone Light. Chug. Hey, I like Keystone Light. Believe it or not, 
my buddy has it in like his kegerator at his house and i never liked keystone light before but this is the best keystone light i've ever had like on tap ice cold perfect really good man now you're making me want to drink a beer that's not right <laughs> this isn't this isn't the right time you're gonna want to drink a beer after this uh bungee bungee weekly update let me tell you yes after this interview with the guardian where we talked to jarv you're gonna you're gonna want to be here after this one we're gonna share some stories <laughs> we're gonna learn more about jarv and his awesome journey as a content creator as a youtuber with almost five thousand subs man that's awesome congratulations cheers dude that's uh yeah five thousand in well just under five thousand in eight months so yeah very cool that's wow. awesome yeah it's been a pretty pretty crazy eight months um yeah just excited to see what the next next eight months has in store where i'll be at the end of the year but i try not think about the numbers and just focus on the next video that's just that's yeah, focus, on my focus on the content there yes yeah. mm -hmm. yes and for anyone who does not know jarb you should go check him out we will have all of his info in the show notes at destinyshow.com but he posts destiny content on his youtube channel almost on a daily basis i feel like you post content multiple times a week mm. and he is a warlock main and his favorite activity in destiny is the shattered throne yeah man do that bad boy solo <laughs> man That's that impressive. was rough that was That's impressive. Yeah. Never, never again. They they name those triumphs perfectly. Trust me, like never again, ever. <laughs> well, it's funny because we you, people used to solo raids in D one. You know, that's when you could have. That's when the self res warlock was around. You know, it's like we don't have self res warlocks though in D two, so can't really solo raids. <laughs> no, we're saying that there was actually a tweet. I think it was earlier today or maybe late yesterday. Where the influence for Shattered Throne originally came from seeing players solo Crota. And then everyone was like, Did you intend Crota to be soloed then? They were like, No, not at all. But when players started doing that, that's where the idea for dungeons and sort of those type of activities sort of came about. Yep, I did. I've soloed Crota before. Yeah. That's a it's a fun. That's that was a fun raid to solo. Yeah. I man. felt like. Yeah. So let's start with the discussion with the guardians and we're gonna put you on the hot seat here jar what were you thinking trying to solo the shattered throne did you try it or did you actually do it no i did do it yeah oh I my did goodness it. well i had to Respect. do it twice i had to do it twice you did it twice yeah this is so bad so why I, so it took two 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 and a half hours to do the ogre and like i like i was um, i mentioned before the show it felt a bit like the last game of trials with no boons left. It was really high pressure stuff. So I get through that fight and I get all the way to Darwin Karu and I've got like no power ammo, got no super. I'm literally struggling. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to a public event, rally the flag, and just come back. Did that, took Darwin Karu out, but because I left the instance, it didn't count. So I didn't get the emblem, I didn't get anything. I just got like a legendary, I think it was flipping the rocket so, launcher. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. So you get an emblem. Do you also get a um do you get a triumph for that? Yeah. Too? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get that either. I got nothing. Oh. oh. So 
I had to do it again. But I had to wait three weeks for it because I left it really late. It was just sort of did, taking takes a long time. time when you went yeah. back. Nice. Yeah. But it it was after the patch, so because originally some of the wizards and some of the uh, the enemies they they didn't really move too much, especially in the ogre encounter. But then they they put a patch in, and they started to run away and hide and really sort of like change the way they move around that arena. So it actually made some of the encounters a lot more difficult. I think that was after the power had increased slightly, but it, it made it so much more difficult. Especially when you go back and look at videos, you think, oh, this is a guide of how to do it. And all the ads are just standing still. And then when you're doing it, they're moving all over the place. It's like, what? Um, but yeah, long story short, I've done it at the end, and I'm not doing it again. <laughs> I'll do it now, as a fire team, and I enjoy it. That's as much as it goes. Now I'm guessing, like, the best class to take in there is probably a warlock with uh radiant um with the well of radiance i'm guessing right yeah yeah i mean as a warlock main i mean my other characters aren't really up to power so i had to go in as a warlock but the well was is just phenomenal especially for the ogre you haven't really got to worry about the void darts or anything darwin yeah. karu at the end you know for sniping with the whisper you know five six shots oh, yeah. and mm -hmm. he's down once you get the oh. uh Guessing Luna faction then, right? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely Luna faction for sure. Yep, I I agree that if I'm going to go solo, it that's what I'm going to take in there. For yeah, sure. don't underestimate the uh, grenades as well, like charging them and throwing them down and create yourself a shield and stuff. Um, a oh, lot of yeah. people forget about those, and they're great if you're planning to push. You know, you can plan that push and give yourself an overshield. And... I always forget about that. Good yeah. point. Now, Good tip. would you say that it took you longer to do it the first time that you did it than did the second time? Um, I'd say the second time was longer after they patched it with all the ads moving around and stuff. Um, okay. It, it felt it definitely took longer. How long did it take to do this? It's probably a, th I'd say a three hour, three and a half hour sitting total. And That's... make your fire team private. There's nothing worse than someone joining your mid session. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, the amount of times I've had to restart just because someone thought they'd jump in and help. Yeah, because you don't get the triumph unless you do it solo, right? That's like Yeah, exactly. As soon yeah. as someone joins you, that's it. Game over. Wow. Oh rip. So make those fire teams private guardians. Yeah. If you know what's good for you. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I, I would love to do that miss mission on solo. Um, I have not been brave enough to do that. But uh, I'm a hunter main. I normally play with my hunter. So um, I may have to check it out the next time it comes around. You should be okay with the hunter. I think most of the time in the yoga, you, you could shade step and go invisible. That's probably your best bet. Um, and then you've got... It's, if you're invisible for most of that encounter, you'll be, you'll be fine. I mean, now is probably the great time to do it with the revelry because you could just increase your class ability, cool down, or reduce it rather, and go invisible a lot. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. I might have to try that out this week. Yeah. Then yeah, it's it, available it, this week, right? Yeah, yeah. You got until Tuesday. Very nice. I am definitely going to have to check that out then. Maybe this weekend I'll just uh, dive into it and uh, see what I can accomplish. So, TBD.
I'll let you guys know how it goes. So, Jarv, how did you get started on YouTube? Um, try and cut a long story short, I suppose. So, my YouTube channel started in 2016 originally, and I probably did about 10 or so videos. Um, but then I sort of migrated. I was really still finding myself then, so I sort of migrated from there to Twitch. Um, I used to watch a lot of like mtash and the crucible school and stuff like that so i used to like watching that and playing crucible in d1 so i used to like trying to do that on twitch um tried that for a little bit um but the, the thing with twitch you need a consistent schedule consistency is key i mean it is with youtube but more so with with twitch if you're not live you're you're not growing essentially uh, and relevancy is really key so um it sort of was really i was finding it really diff difficult to balance twitch and my personal life really so um it was literally in the summer last year and uh, we had an event in nottingham it's one of the get wrecked events uh that anubis arranges over here and um it was um one of my friends liam which just said jav why, why don't you give youtube another shot um we were hanging out with bye for now and dish that day anyway um and uh, it was off the back of that really sort of i thought yeah if i'm gonna give it a second shot i'm gonna give it everything i've got this time i'm not just gonna make an excuse and let that become my hurdle i'm gonna overcome those hurdles and just trying to keep moving forward uh, and that's really sort of the catalyst that i've sort of approached it this time with sort of um it only stops if you stop that's really sort of the phrase i tell myself a lot really um i started again in september last year so i probably had less than 200 subs when i started again in september um ahead of forsaken um and i've grown up until this point um just hitting just shy of five thousand subscribers now so yeah september october november were crazy growth periods it was just about being consistent being regular um and trying to be quite quick with content as well especially as things are coming thick and fast with new content um you want to be relevant and you want obviously you want to rank well in the directory on youtube to you know drive those views and that's helps what drives your growth so that's the sort of journey I've been on, really, and I've tried to keep that consistency going. Um, it's felt a bit slow in April, but April's actually, for a viewership um, perspective, has been a bit better than sort of February, March, which arguably were a bit better when you think we had Black Armory back then. So, yeah, it's just about keep going, really. Um, and like I say, there's those weekly cycles that help you stay regular in terms of your research reserves and invitations and stuff and it's trying to be creative within you know within those regular weekly cycles really so yeah that's that's where i've got up to that's where i am right now now i'm sat with you guys very cool and uh we're really grateful to have you here uh so thank you for uh being here with us and for sharing your story uh it's always inspiring to learn about other content creators and how they got started and what motivates them what inspires them what struggles they go through so mm. it's always really fun to have those kind of conversations that you don't often hear in our industry yeah and it's not like a you know get big quick special magic formula or anything like that it's all about hard work and dedication I know Mtash recently was talking about that a little bit on Twitter and stuff, and he's he's sort of singing along the right notes. It might just come across a little bit wrong for some people, but 
it's absolutely right and it's just all about the hard work dedication if you can do your research and you know overcome the obstacles rather than use them and allow them to become excuses for not doing something then you at least are on the way and like i said in the pre-show you know even then there's no guarantees you just got to be you know persistent and consistent that's really the the aim yeah. really now and you, you said you started again eight months ago right yeah around yeah september so, so just as forsaken launched pretty much so what motivated you that second time around to reignite your channel what was that moment that said okay i'm really gonna do this and i'm, I'm not gonna give up i'm gonna go i'm gonna give it my all and i'm gonna make this su successful um I think it was off the back of the conversation i had with with my uh my clan mate really i've you know, I've been close friends with Houndish since the end of Rise of Iron. So we we played together almost on a daily basis as well. So in terms of like, if I've got any concerns or questions or no matter how stupid, he's, he's really knowledgeable and very open and will share, you know, insightful things and just help you overcome little things that they seem like big things in your head, but they are, you know, on paper, you can sort of um, overcome them step by step, really. Uh, you know, if you break things down into small pieces, you can overcome any large obstacle. That's pretty much how it pans out, really. And I think just trying to learn from previous mistakes when I started first time and then make sure I don't make those same mistakes second time around. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, during Rise of Iron, is that's where Houndish's channel took off too and everything, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, right. so when I think when we started playing together, he had probably about... 30,000 subscribers. Oh, wow. Yeah. He shot right up there then. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's at about 400 and 400, yeah, yeah. 400 and change for sure. Yeah. I liked Rise of Iron a lot. Like the strikes were really good. Like Sepix perfected and everything. I loved that strike. Like fighting out in the snow and everything. Mm. Fighting, like that was so cool. And the music too. Oh, oh I was just going to say, Dan, that the Septics Redux is such a great. I yeah. think I think everything that Bungie did about Rise of Iron was just very much on point and great. That entire cool. year of content was awesome. Climbing the mountains. <laughs> yeah, climbing that mountain, that entire social space, in my opinion, still to this day, is the coolest social space, uh, social space that we've gotten in the game. And the raid was really fun and challenging, too, that we got with mm, Rise of Iron. Raid. That was a good raid. Yeah. Yep. Um, See, I've often, I've often thought with Rise of Iron, so the social hub, you've got basically the Crucible map right there. And like, um, you know... Vostok. Yeah, you got Vostok there, right? So <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. I don't know anything, but like a lot of people feel that it was in D1 and then it's in D2 Vostok, so it's cycled content. But actually, a lot of what was in Rise of Iron had already been... Well, it should have been part of what d2 became but they needed to obviously fill a gap which is what rise of iron became so i sort of feel like actually did Vostok get taken out of d2 and put into d1 to create a social space off the back That's of possible. that is it the possible. absolute opposite but we never know um i'd love to play the original d1 but we, we never will but here we are i really hope one day that bungie releases destiny one on the pc so that people can really enjoy destiny one the way that it was intended without any hardware limitations mm -hmm. 
I totally agree. That would be pretty awesome. Now, Jarv, so since you started on YouTube, who mm. inspired you the most to create content and to become a content creator yourself? Oh, that's a good question. Um, that's a really good question. I mean, thinking about it, like, I mean, I used to watch a lot of the Crucible School um, just because I used to like Crucible in D1. Um, so MTash was a big early influence. He used to, he used to play a lot. He used to, some of the Planet Destiny guys back then as well. Obviously, they were growing. I think a lot of the early Destiny videos I watched were all Planet Destiny videos um, from what I remember, you know. So those were a massive influence early on and obviously becoming, you know, personal friends with Houndish over the years has definitely driven and added on that, you know, understanding what challenges that he's had to go through, which, you know, if I ever get to that stage, I'll, I feel like I'll be in a good position for it, I know. The, uh, the landscape to YouTube will probably change a little bit by then. But, you know, knowledge is power. Um, but you just have to apply it in the right way. Absolutely. Yeah, I used to watch Plan Destiny too. Like, that's where I started with my Destiny content watching and was Plan Destiny, a bunch of Plan Destiny videos mm. and the Plan Destiny podcast. Like, yeah, that was that was like a weekly ritual listen to the podcast and then watching the videos like every day that they'd upload and everything. Yeah. So. so I joined the SNE content team before I started YouTube. It was probably around ago now. And then YouTube, I switched to YouTube part of the content creation panel. So if you go, if you look on my, my YouTube channel, there's about three or four videos I've created for Planet Destiny. One of them is the mysterious thing. Quest. It's got like 47,000 views. That was the most successful video for February, I think. And so that was one that I created for them. So it's a bit hard to create guides for them because not a lot of guides out right now. And the Black Link and them do a fantastic job on all the cycles and stuff. But I'll do that. And then when stuff, like, see what options come around, they made more guides and things to make, which is ultimately what my sort of forte is a little bit really. And I'll go back to make up to my channel and make guides for the channel again. Yeah, I think I um, I agree with Shadow Price. I started watching content from uh, Planet Destiny and following their blog and all the different content they put out about different weapons that were coming out in Destiny. So for me, it started between Planet Destiny and Fireteam Chat. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I started a member when it was Destin, Fran, and um, the guy who went to Nintendo. Oh, man. What's his name? Jose Otero. Jose Otero. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That was back in the day. Yeah. So I remember, I remember the OG team. Um, and they Destin kind of was so salty. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Destin, but <laughs> you're cool. <laughs> hey, Destin actually uh, announced that he is getting married. So congratulations, Destin, on getting congratulations, married. Congratulations, Destin. Uh, really excited for you. Uh, yeah, and uh, 
not many people might know this, but Destin is actually our clan member. We're in the same clan, so we hope to see you back on Destiny. Please, come back. We need people to play with. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I think that uh, creating content is such an awesome thing. It's such an awesome feeling to be able to create something that people enjoy and I'm sure you get lots of messages from people, you know, giving you words of wisdom and encouragement on your content. Mm. Now, what are some of the challenges that you faced as a up and coming content creator in the last eight months um, being on YouTube? Um, I think it's overcoming negativity. I think anyone can post anything on the internet and if you're not saying it actually saying it to a person's face they can say whatever they like some of it's valid like if there's constructive feedback absolutely take it on board but sometimes it's just unnecessary uh, you know overzealous negativity so it's being able to see past that because um at first it can feel demotivating i'm not gonna lie but after a while it's sort of you sort of just look past that and it needs to almost be a water for the ducks back at the end of the day, take the constructive stuff and obviously focus on the positive engagements that are happening in your comment section. If you want to have a positive community, you don't want to drive negativity. So you want to obviously in, you know, engage with all the positive comments and the discussions that take place in those comment sections, you know, move that over into discord or onto Twitter and things like that and build that community. So it's really, yeah, just looking past the unnecessary negativity as a small content creator. It, I don't know, it just felt like it's very forthcoming at times, but you just need to take the constructive stuff out of it and move on and just keep looking forward and never look back. What prepared you for that <clears throat> the most? Like, was that something you developed like as you were you know, doing your content and everything? A little bit, yeah. I think I'd seen a little bit of that in my early videos when 2016. I think that might have been the part of the reason why I stopped because I just felt it was sort of like unnecessary or it wasn't constructive or, you know. So it was almost like trying to prove, not necessarily just prove people wrong, but like take the, like I say, the constructive stuff and improve. Just you're only as good as your last video. So just keep moving forward. And if there's something that can be added to improve it, do that. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah, just staying that. consistent and always improving and everything. Yeah, right? that's it. Just sort of focus on what you have control of. Um, you can't control someone else's opinion necessarily, and you wouldn't really want to because everyone's entitled to that. But you just need to, yeah, focus on what you have control of and move forward. That's really well said, and it's interesting because you're right. There is a lot of negativity, especially on places like social media, where. People can freely post whatever they want without really thinking about their comments and the reper repercussions that those comments could have on other people's feelings and psych psychological well-being. Mm. And I have noticed there be a lot of negativity, especially in the Destiny community, because people are very passionate in Destiny with how they expect for the game to evolve and what they think the game should have and what they think the game shouldn't have. And I think sometimes we let our passion get in the way and it um, affects how we behave online sometimes. 
Yeah, there's Same. always going to be shit posters. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be brief. There's always going to be shit posters, and there's always somebody that posts, oh, shit game. And then I'm just like, shit comment. You know, it's like, why are you saying something so negative and you're not providing any kind of constructive feedback and everything? Mm-hmm. You know, well, And I used to, like, leave those things alone, but now sometimes I, I respond to, like, when they're like saying something like that to the creators. Like, you know, and it's just like, that's just just show, oh. shows no knowledge or anything just like and, you know and now you have creators or now you have people online who are literally review bombing a game because they don't agree what platform the game is coming to like with borderlands that's just as crazy soon as they announced that it was going to be an epic exclusive people went apeshit crazy and decided that it was appropriate to review bomb every borderlands game that ever came out and it's like well what the fuck dude like why do you think it's appropriate to shit on a piece of content that was released that's completely has that completely has nothing to do with the game that's coming out there is a way to voice your opinion and to let your voice be heard but it's not to review bomb and to shit on hard work People's that hard work working on like yeah. i don't agree with that it's just a good anthem dude like that must be so difficult for Bioware just to, you know, imagine how that feels to try and motivate yourself to go to work every day, knowing that just go on their Reddit, dude. Like you you just can't even go in there, but it's, there's nothing constructive in there. Really. I find it, I find it baffling. You know, I think the game from a core perspective has the basis of a, a great game. Yes. There's a lot missing, but you know, like you said, all this, shitposting doesn't doesn't help it needs to be constructive and that's how the studio can move forward now what are your thoughts on games like anthem and the whole situation that's going on with bioware and the reporting that jason schreier had done on the game and the uh the publishing side of things mm. it's a bit it's almost like deja vu isn't it it was like the influence of activision over bungie sort of over the years, it's um, it's quite evident that publishers tend to have a heavy influence over the developers, um, and unfortunately, there's normally a financial implication to the developers if they don't meet deadlines or got you know and things like that. So, um, sadly, it doesn't surprise me, especially if how long the development cycle was for Anthem. What was it? Five years, if not more. Seven, yeah. I think it was. You know, it's, just, yeah. You know doesn't surprise me like ea would need to get that money back with all the money they've invested in the game so it's, just, it's, yeah. it's sad but it doesn't surprise me unfortunately and it probably won't be the last time in fairness it's kind of like ea was finding out that you know bungie was doing a shared world shooter and then they're like oh we need that that's something we need and everything too you know but anthem yeah. originally was like a survival game there wasn't even a flight in it so yeah. it's you know, so they changed that during development then. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So it's changed mm-hmm. so much. But for me, like, they needed to get the game out. And it's is it any worse than what Destiny 1 was when that first launched? I mean, Destiny 1 got heavily critiqued because of its lack of story. But actually, Destiny now is probably the strongest from a narrative perspective it's ever been with all the lore and everything that it's done. So it just goes to show you can bounce back. But Destiny is just a, you know, a five-year-plus cycle we're on right now. and you know anthem can do the same it's just going to take time um, and the publisher needs to stand by the developer 
See, the reason why Bungie was able to bounce back, like, people, like, we knew how fun the game was. Like, Mm. we were playing Vanilla Destiny and getting all this awesome loot. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, the story wasn't, like, it was disjointed and everything, but the game itself was fun. Playing with our friends was fun. It was fun to sign on every day and everything. Yeah. I think Bungie invested a lot of time in late development to how the game felt to play. You know, they wanted it to feel good to play. Um, and, we, you know, we're sat here now and it's just created so many long-term real friendships, you know, beyond yeah, gaming. Absolutely. That, you know, you would never or normally see, um, you know, in a game like Destiny. Yeah, I think the friendships that I've developed in Destiny were stronger than any other game that I've ever played. I've met so many people playing Destiny from playing raids to playing crucible activities like competitive. And we're going to talk a lot more about competitive later on in the show because <laughs> I'm sure we'll have some things to say about that. Why, but, Why? <laughs> right? The friendships that you develop, like... The very first time that we fought Fogot Strike with green and white items and armor equipped, (laughs) it was a challenge. It was difficult. And you gained so much respect to the other people in your fire team. Or the very first time you did the Vault of Glass. Yeah. Yeah. Or all the other raids. Think back to when you booted up Destiny 2 and you had that really iconic introduction showing your fire team going through all of the different activities and it shows who you went into the uh, raids with and who you completed the raids with like those were special moments in destiny that i don't think too many games are able to replicate no and that's what keeps me coming back to destiny each and every time with every content release no matter what they come out with no matter how well or poorly it does with reviews i'm always there day one to purchase that content to enjoy that content with my friends because of the, the people you get to play this with and this awesome feeling of playing something new on that day one mm-hmm. when the new content drops it's so awesome So, Jarv, what would you say is your favorite Destiny moment? It's a biggie, isn't it? Um, I would probably say it was when I was in one of my previous clans. Um, so I run a clan now, but um, and I have done since 2017. But uh, back in Destiny 1, I was part of a different clan. And one... One week, we sort of decided to do a raid race. So you had to do Fog, Crota, and um, King's Fall. So you had to do them back-to-back. You weren't allowed to use any cheeses. You weren't allowed to skip any jump puzzles. Everyone had to do everything. One person had to stream from each team. So it's all very like, okay, everyone's sort of keeping an eye on each other, making sure everyone's doing what they need to be. So um, I've got quite a close group of friends online and I have done for now for five, six plus years now. And um, we raided together a lot. Um, But um, basically of the Vault of Glass, I think we were were about 15 minutes behind the other team. And then Crota, 
I think we were about another 10 minutes. So going into King's Fall, we were probably between 20 and 25 minutes behind the other team. And uh, King's Fall was a raid that we do multiple times weekly with this set group. So going into the race, I think we'd done it up to maybe 80, 90 times as a group together. So completing King's Fall was almost like a formality at that point. It was just a matter of how long it was going to take us. Um, so by the time we got to... Uh, the war priest the other team had were just going across the jump puzzle towards sisters so i said to the guys look if we if we smash war priest in one phase and get onto golgoroth and you can pretty much one phase and a bit golgoroth quite easily then we're pretty much at the jump puzzle and they'll probably only just be moving on to oryx or you know first attempt at oryx or something like that so we absolutely nailed war priests and smashed through golgoroth and managed to get through the jump puzzle pretty swift. So they were on their, I think their second attempt at, second attempt at Oryx, and we'd just entered Sisters. So um, five out of six of us were really confident at jumping. And this one guy, Dan, bless him, he hates jump puzzles. You know, you've always got that guy when you're in your fire team that's not great. <laughs> <laughs> but Sisters thought it'd shoot him twice. And, like, fairness to him, like, when, it, when push comes to shove... He absolutely nailed both phases on sisters, so we ended up both being on all Oryx at the same time. And it just sort of all came down to who could take Oryx out first. It was such an intense moment. Um, yeah, and long story short, I know it's gone on for quite a while already, but we managed to take Oryx out before the other team. They weren't able to finish, and it just became this overwhelming sort of like celebration within the Xbox chat. It was incredible, and obviously it was little bit of to and fro in the in the clan chat and stuff and stuff like that it was just it felt really good to be so far behind to suddenly just pull victory out of the grips of defeat you know um so yeah i think if i ask any of my guys that were in that team that night what was your best destiny moment they'll probably say the same that's an awesome story like so that how many teams was that three um there was two so the other team they they like to call themselves the alpha team so they just Ah. We just let them roll with that, and then I think we just gave ourselves a different name. But the names are relevant. The result is what's matter. That's what basically I told my fire team when we went into it. The names are relevant. It's what the result is. We managed to pull it out of the bag. Now, were you guys all over on comms, all everybody, or just like no, no, was... entirely separate fire teams. The only okay, way, gotcha. the only way we could see each other was the one person that was streaming, and that was really just to make sure no one was skipping puzzles or jump gotcha. puzzles and stuff like that. Nice. Uh, but yeah, that was probably my best Destiny moment. I don't think I've been able to replicate that. It, it would take something pretty mad to do that, I think. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think for me, um, my favorite Destiny moment would be beating the Vault of Glass Raid for the first time because going into it, you didn't really know what to expect and just started with this area on venus where you just get a bunch of praetorians and you knew you had to stand on plates but we didn't quite know what we had to do and we didn't really know what to expect in the vault of glass nobody really knew what a destiny raid felt like or what it was or what made it so special and so awesome and very quickly we learned that it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of coordination in order to beat the uh, Vault of Glass raid. And to finally be able to re beat uh, Aetheon 
for the first time. It's such an incredible feeling, and the weapons felt so special in that at that time in the game, and I think they felt yeah. mo- most special at that time, if you think about it, because we got some of the coolest weapons during the Vault of Glass, like the Vex Mythoclast and the Fatebringer and the my, the um what's that scout rifle uh the vision of confluence yeah legendary weapons yeah so i mean we they were the, but you know what i mean yeah amazing it's weapons that later on legendary weapons. that later on <laughs> had to be brought back as exotics because they were just way too powerful it's amazing i do miss that elemental uh element on kinetic weapons you know just gave them something different you know but yeah I mean, they all had, yeah, they all had elements at the beginning. Like, they couldn't go any better. Like, those were the best weapons. Like, they didn't get, like, yeah, there were some PvP weapons that were really good, too, some of them. But, like, as far as, like, ad killing and stuff like that, like, to get you through any of the activities, those were the go-tos. Yeah. What's that? It's an Ark Nightfall. Let me get my Fatebringer out. Unless unless it was a Saber Strike. That on Ark? Oh, my days. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yep. Just sh- but yeah, definitely. I uh, I think my first Vault of Glass experience was loading in as a level 28 at the Templar, but we were doing like the, um, the Oracles, and I had absolutely no idea what was going on. It was just like an infinite, infinite amount of ads spawning. I was just randomly dying for no reason. My screen was going black. I had no idea what was going on. Um, I think the first time I completed Atheon was actually when he f- he just he fell off the edge. I think we pushed him off the edge the first time we did it. <laughs> I'm not proud of that. <laughs> Can't believe I just admitted that. Yeah. But yeah, pushing him off the edge. And even the Templar became a bit of a cheese after a while. If he went a Sun Singer Warlock with Viking Flame and Touch, was it Touch of Flame and Viking Funeral? Yeah. 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 Oh my days. Yeah. If you didn't have that, you weren't in the fire team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were some very. F- like funny quirky like you know moments in mm. d1 that in the loot cave too and you know yeah. just <laughs> even, doing, even doing oracles up on the uh cliff edge with icebreaker too just like it was never intended to be that way but that's why yeah. they extended the refresh rate for the magazine on icebreaker but yeah there we go that's really interesting yeah it's it's been a really incredible journey as a Destiny fan for me personally. Anyways, I, I think that I've had some of the coolest moments in the game. And uh, it's been it's been really fun, really wild to see the game evolve over the course of the many years that Bungie's been working on Destiny. It's crazy to think that the game came out in 2014 and it's been... We're on year five now. It's It's crazy. Mm. <clears throat> Time flies when you're having fun. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> now, Shadow Price, what's your favorite uh, Destiny moment? I think it's a tie between, yeah, Vault of Glass, first time, and uh, going uh, flawless and Trials of Osiris and everything. Like, that yeah, was a that really was pretty, that was a awesome big one too. feeling. Wait, what game mode was that again? Trials of Osiris. Oh, uh, that, that, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Rip. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, like year one trials, season one, or yeah, beginning of trials when it first came out was 
Oh, it was it was awesome. The weapons were were great. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Jewel of Osiris, the Summoner, the Messenger, uh, uh, Tomorrow's Answer. Great, great, great weapons. Like they kind of fit that Vog feel mm-hmm. because they were so good. And again, elemental primaries. We, yeah, we had the them. messenger was a beastly pulse rifle as well. I remember. Yes, it was. It was. It was the. It was the better hopscotch pilgrim, because <laughs> hopscotch yeah. was really good too, and I had that as well. But yeah, I'd have to say it was a tie between those two. Man, I miss um, doctrine of passing. That was a pretty. Oh man! Crazy... Yes, doctrine of passing. I remember that gun. Oh. Man, I as missed the weapons in D1. That was Pope so refers good. To it. Pope or Briar refers to it as the Doctor of Passion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. So yeah. true. Burning yeah, Eye good, as well, yeah. the scout rifle. That was a great scout rifle. I used to use that in the um, Rafa the Machine all the time, the explosive rounds. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the, yeah those the, were some good times. The nostalgia feel right now is crazy <laughs> so jarv looking forward into the future of destiny mm. what do you hope to see in destiny with the upcoming season of the opulence and this fall it's it's a really important time for destiny right now i think season of opulence is sort of the the end of the first annual pass isn't it so i think a lot of that would already been mapped out um with activision it's just about fulfilling that so it'd be interesting to see what narrative direction they take that in and whether that's something that leads into the fall i think that was something i felt like they missed when d1 came to an end is some form of narrative that sort of went from one to another sort of it was sort of cut off and start fresh so this will sort of fill out probably the callous storyline a little bit more and the progression of that um but where that leads us towards the end of the summer, who really, it's not really clear yet. Um, I know there's been a lot of sort of suggestions about another annual pass model, but if that's the case, they'll need to reassess how they deliver those seasonally because at the moment, you know, the, the narrative doesn't really work and the size of the expansions or DLCs for each season aren't really large enough to sustain the player base and keep them engaged. And then a one-time big expansion in September, I don't think Bungie have had the development time for that anyway. At best, they could do a Rise of Iron size thing, um, you know, add some real estate to something, because um, I think that's been a bit of missing. Um, but we'll see. I think the way I look at it, I think one model that's not really been suggested but would be actually, what if we take a large expansion that's actually delivered over season? So you've got that continuous narrative from season to season. Um, you know, people invest in the game as an annual pass, say 40 bucks, which is the same as what expansion would have been for Forsaken, but then that's delivered over the course of a year, season on season. And then that leads you into what D3 would be. It's be that be the start of the narrative story arc to D3, which would be the following or two years, September, something like that. So they could probably do that because whatever they do in September, they're going to hit Borderlands, you know, which was the original looter shooter. So there's going to be an impact there. It just depends on what they deliver. depends on how big that is to them. But nothing will kill Destiny. The only thing that would take Destiny out would be 
Bungie and Destiny itself, really. You know, you see those stories, is this, is this a Destiny killer? But it won't be. The only thing that would end it would be itself, in my opinion. That's my opinion. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I think the fall could look like. Maybe one big thing, but progressively delivered over seasons. One continuous narrative keeps people engaged, gives them a reason to come back. Cause it's not just about the loot, it's about the story. And that's what keeps people gripped. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that with uh, this uh, season, season of the Drifter anyways, we got some pretty interesting things with this new season. I mm. think that the lore is some of the best that we got in the entire game. I think we got some really amazing lore this season. I mm-hmm. think that there are areas where we were kind of lacking in so many ways, like you go into the tower and it doesn't really feel like there's anything really new. There's no vendor refresh. It doesn't feel like you're entering a new season. It almost feels like it's incomplete. Like you're almost there. You're halfway there, but you're just, you need more. And, you know, they can't rely on three pinnacle weapons to keep players continuing to grind activities to, to try to get that one little thing. I think the process needs to be rewarding. And I know you mentioned Borderlands and I've been going back to Borderlands lately and replaying uh, Borderlands 2. And it's incredible as I'm playing through that game, I feel like I'm being rewarded at every step of the way. I don't feel like there's a drought of me feeling like I'm being respected with my time and I'm being rewarded in such a way where I'm having fun throughout the entire journey and not just from you know, starting the activity and getting whatever pinnacle weapon you are trying to grind for. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there needs to be the vendor refresh. I think they need to be adding a strike or two every season. I think factions are just non-existent. They need to introduce, not faction rally, but actually have factions that's that's meaningful, that refresh as well seasonally. Maybe it's a rank that resets seasonally, like it's a faction wars which was originally what was supposed to be in D1 but never really came around. It was in the original development of the game. But factions are a massive missed opportunity. But, um, you know, those are just a couple of handful of things that would make seasons feel like something's changed. You know, you go to the tower and there's a reason to go to every vendor. There's a reason to do things again. Um, not just pinnacle weapons. I think you're absolutely right. I totally agree with both of you. Oh, sorry, Corn. I totally agree with both of you. It is definitely a critical time for Bungie because coming off of the Activision split, um, you know, we got to see what they're bringing to the table. The the game is kind of having a little bit of a, kind of a little bit of identity crisis right now. And just, you know, the lore is getting better and everything like that, but they've neglected the crucible like a Mm -hmm. lot. You know, we haven't gotten new maps or anything like that in a long time. Some of yep. the environments seem very, I don't know, generic, some of them. Um, and it would be just nice to see what they're planning, what 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 steps they're taking to uh, evolve these, uh, the, these systems more and things like that. It's just giving people a reason to log in every day, isn't it? Like... Trials was the thing you'd log in to do at the weekend. And, you know, you you do, you squad up with your mates and you would do that all weekends, you know, until you got your flawless on all three characters if you were 
fortunate enough or, or just one if you couldn't do it you know outside your milestones which there's loads of don't get me wrong you know sometimes i log in i think oh, where do i even start you know but you know sometimes you want to know where you start before you even boot the game up you know um, and that's what it used to feel like back in D1. You jump on I me. Mean, House of Wolves was a fantastic time to run Destiny. You had multiple. You had two raids, Prison of Elders, which was actually rock solid, um, and then you had uh, Trials. So you had a good mixture of things to do each week. Um, you know, and I know there's more to do in Destiny. There's more activities, but um, you know, it's all a bit light, isn't it? Really, it's just doesn't really yeah. mean anything now. And Corn was right. We need more interesting loot. Like, you know, mm -hmm. Borderlands, how they have their loot is so, they have just so much of it. Like, I feel like they could do a lot more with the loot and everything in Destiny. They could do more with the power so, level, too. Like, just having a 50 increase each season isn't a yeah. good reason to have a new season. Like, like, power level doesn't matter at all, really. It's just a way of locking you out of the new content and giving you a reason to play it really because like how many times you've gone into a really like a normal strike it's maybe about a 300 strike and you get absolutely nailed by something in the distance and it's like i'm like 400 power levels higher than him and i got like two shot but you know if the shoe was on the other foot it wouldn't be the same and it's just yeah it just feels a bit strange with the power it's just a way of locking you out of what content is there yeah i think right now bungie they're doing certain things really well game and i definitely love destiny regardless of the things they're doing right and things they're probably needing to improve upon and i think a lot of things will change with destiny 3 i think that it's also important to kind of set proper expectations for what we're going to get in the next year because it's difficult for them to bring some of these changes that would fundamentally change the foundation of the game and i think that's the level of change that is required to really make destiny the game that we continue to come back to each and every week and we're having a blast along the way mm -hmm. so there's a lot that they need to do and i think a lot of these changes will be seen with destiny 3 but it's something that we're just going to have to wait to really get and right now the best thing that bungie can do is to keep the player base engaged as best they can with the next year of content leading up to the 2020 fall season when hopefully we'll start seeing more of the destiny 3 release and the plans for the future of the franchise yeah, just as something as simple as refresh the vendors and things like that. You know, it's like we need that so much. <laughs> like, just to get more variety of of loot and things like that. You know, it's because then we had that in D one. We had yeah. that. Yeah, I think that um, there are a lot of things that Bungie needs to go back and look at Destiny one and reintroduce those things into the game because honestly if something's not broke don't try to fix it because there are things about destiny one that made the game so special let me give you one example the queen's wrath event that took place only one time in the beginning of destiny it never came back but it's an event that would keep people playing the game that would keep things fun or 
things like Trials of Osiris that kept the Crucible community having fun and playing and feeling engaged, and they just got rid of all that. And it does a disservice to both the community as a whole, but also to the developers who work really hard to bring us events like you know, SRL that we haven't seen in quite some time, and they can bring that content into the game to keep things fun, to keep players engaged and feeling like we're getting fresh content, rather than saying, okay, once a month you're going to get Iron Banner, but there's no meat and potatoes behind the activity, so it's just, it became a stale event, it's just there once a month. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I know this is asking for a lot because, I mean, I know they're not Epic. You know how Epic is, like, crossing... Well, Fortnite's crossing over with Marvel, like, right now and everything like that. It'd be nice if, like, Bungie could, like, cross over with something. Like, Destiny could cross over with something. Just, you know, to to freshen it up, you know? Mm-hmm. It'd be something pretty cool. I, I don't know. Who would who would they cross over with? Who do you think? What, what, we, what do you think would be the most logical game that they could cross over with? Maybe like a, I don't know, like I was going to say Overwatch, but, you know, they're not. I mean, they're on the Blizzard launcher still, but, you know. Yeah, it could only be anything on the Blizzard launcher, wouldn't it, really? You couldn't have, really? you wouldn't have lightsabers suddenly appear on. Zer's selling lightsabers this week, guys. That would guys. be pretty cool, Go though. <laughs> that would be pretty cool, though, right? Star yeah. Wars and Destiny crossover. Oh, man. That's big bucks. But yeah, it'd be fun if it happened. Yeah. I'm just saying, that's something that would keep it fresh, you know? And that's how Fortnite does as well as it does, because it just, they always keep it fresh. They're always updating the game. Mm. Always like, you know, so. I really like what they're doing with activities like the Verdant Forest, because those are fun, replayable activities that you can replay in the game. And it would be nice if they brought these kind of things back more frequently than once or twice a year that maybe we can see them come back once a month where you know one week out of the month you get to play one special event another week of the month you get to play something else and so on and so forth to keep things fun and interesting not just you know twice a year but to keep things fun all year round And I think faction rallies could be something that they can very much incorporate into this mix of content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Faction rallies, they they need to figure out what the hell they're doing with that. (laughs) Yeah, they need to say something on on that front. I think July, sorry, June is going to be a really interesting time because the first week of June are probably when the season of opulence will start, but that's also when E3 starts. So... Mm, are we going to get a season start and they're going to start talking about the next roadmap literally the week after uh, you know about what is coming in september and beyond because they wouldn't really want to leave it much later than that but then if they are going to e3 they wouldn't want to go to e3 with nothing so it's interesting it's going to be interesting to see what they do in june and where are they going to show up since playstation's not there this year yeah Yeah. playstation's not there i don't think Activision's going to be there either, if I'm not mistaken, are they? No. But then anything they show would be off their own back anyway, right? Yeah. Have to go as a standalone developer, so... That's right, yeah. I it's mean, Corm seems, seems to think that they're going to show up on Microsoft's stage, 
but uh <laughs> yeah so yeah. we have sushi on the line so yeah <laughs> this is going to be really big it's critical uh, yeah uh, it's... well look my my feeling on this that both microsoft and bungie are both in a position where they kind of need each other you know yes we have halo 6 coming or whatever they call it halo infinite, infinite. but i do think that microsoft needs more exclusive content they lost they lost call of duty to activision and playstation that, too yeah would bungie well, that's essentially microsoft activision playstation yeah would would bungie go back to microsoft because i think when they left microsoft they celebrated like the same they did when they left activision so that's what i heard well mm -hmm. look if you think about it if you think about it they could be in a different position now than they were before right it, it's it's a different era they're in a different generation right now right it's not the same company for both microsoft and for both uh bungie because yeah. bungie can now negotiate and say look we're not going to give you any copyright ownership of this content but we'll let you publish our content and have a more fair agreement and i think people like phil spencer they would be more on board to build out a stronger xbox platform especially going into the 2020 season yeah with those new right? consoles coming right <laughs> the new consoles are coming in 2020 so it's going to be a big time for yeah. both destiny and for microsoft with the new xbox yeah perfect segue phil's oh, done sorry. some amazing work at xbox <laughs> completely transforming the brand as you turning it into a you know a, you know a console for gamers and focusing on purely on the games and yeah with, yes. with, new, hard, with new hardware the sky's the limit yeah this is to see what the next export looks like yeah, this is a perfect segue. So what are your thoughts on the future of video games with PlayStation 5, Xbox, Google Stadia, and the possible Switch Pro? I think hardware aside, it's all about getting that some form of cross-save, cross-play in there. You know, if they side with Microsoft a bit more, they might get PC, Xbox, cross-save, cross-play maybe. I think more people playing together more often across multiple platforms is is a benefit but obviously playstation don't really have a need to do that because they're ahead in the console race if you want to put it uh still but you know you're on a clean slate again when the next generation maybe like you're saying the the outlook is different this time um yeah i think those would be the biggest milestones to overcome it's just a step up in hardware really google stadia I think I don't know how that how that differs too much from the xCloud project that Microsoft have had going. They're quite similar in a in a way, but ultimately, from a competitive standpoint, they aren't going to be the go-to platforms for either, just because of latency and all those types of things. So you can't beat just having the hardware in your lounge if you're, you know, playing competitively at any level. And yeah, Google Google is promising lag-free gameplay without having to you rely on expensive hardware. Like everything is being processed on the Google servers, which is really interesting about the Google Stadia platform. And I think that will set it apart from what we know will be the next PlayStation console because uh, we did have a article that was uh, published by Wired Magazine with the um 
creator of the upcoming PlayStation console. Uh, what is his name? Something Kearney. Mark, Mark Cerny. So that was a really interesting article that definitely described a console that's going to cost at least $500. And from what I'm hearing, the upcoming Xbox console will be more powerful than this PlayStation console, which means that it's probably going to be at least just as expensive, if not more expensive. So I think we're going to be going to a generation where the consoles are going to be between five and six hundred dollars at the start and you'll have google maybe with a fifty dollar controller that's competing with those expensive hardware yeah i think the consoles now how they're set up is very much like how mobile phones are set up i know that sounds like a really interesting comparison but you have the entry level and then you have the premium level, right? So, like, I've got a Google phone. So, I've got, like, you got the Pixel 3, then you got the Pixel 3 XL, which is a bit bigger and it's got more RAM in it and stuff like that. So, essentially, the consoles are pretty much going to be set up like that. So, if you want the premium Xbox, you're always going to be paying upwards of $500, something like that. But if you want the, you know, just a standalone, you're not really fussed about having all the bells and whistles, 8K and all that jazz, then you can go... With the uh, you know the entry level, which is still be able to play the same games, albeit at maybe a lower resolution. But for me, resolution is one thing. But they absolutely need to nail frame rate on consoles. Absolutely, frame rate. Absolutely. Yeah. Frame rate yep, I, I agree. If we're playing eight K thirty frames, I'm out. Like, a I don't <laughs> have an eight K TV, but paying that much money. Oh, you don't. You don't pay thirteen thousand dollars for no. Sony eight K TV. Eighty five inch. You know 13. what I mean? I mean, I've got 144 hertz monitor. I don't want to play a 30 frames the second game on there if I've just paid 900 pounds for the console or whatever like that. So yeah, they've got to yeah. hit 60. Like there's no excuse now with the with the power that they're putting in there. Sony yeah. showed their hand. Well, now, and I bet you Microsoft's really happy about that because they're like, yeah, we got this. We're gonna be 83. We're gonna we're gonna show off our specs we're going to talk about all the developers that we signed last year that they're making these games for us and everything so you know it's so it'll be interesting so jarv what are your thoughts on the switch pro that was rumored to come out because nintendo is doing something very unique with their platform Mm. where you can play at home with a console and a tv or you can play on the go with a more portable form factor yeah do you have a switch at all Jeff? i i don't personally but i can see what market they're going for it's all about accessibility right play anything well not anything but play anywhere you know at any time anywhere, you want yeah. to play at home play on your travels you can do that whereas the other two playstation and xbox don't currently do that although they're trying to do it with cloud services you know and multiple devices and things like that whereas the switch is like no actually you just you just use the same thing that you would use at home you just take it with you so um you know um i haven't looked too much on into the switch pro personally but nintendo absolutely are probably doing what's right for them because they're you know they put they sort of stepped aside from the main console race many you know a few generations back really i think the last main one i had was like the nintendo 64 and then from that point forward they sort of the GameCube wasn't really there when it came to competing with like the PlayStation and stuff. So, 
So. Well, well here, here's a fun fact about the GameCube. It was actually more powerful than the PS2. Believe it, yeah, it was almost, it was basically on par with the Xbox, the original Xbox. The difference was, though, the storage medium. Again, they shot themselves in the foot with the storage medium. They used the mini discs that were only 1.5 gigabytes in size. I'll remember, remember them. So, I remember mini discs. Hey, fun fact yeah. I actually had a mini disc player back in the day. Wow. <laughs> it was, I wish, you know, I wish I kept it. I didn't keep it. Uh, but it would be a cool little piece of technology to look back now and uh, see how we how far we've come. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, Destiny 3 is going to be on the new consoles because we're assuming that Destiny 3 either is either coming in the fall of 2020 or the beginning of 2021, right? Yeah, I would probably say fall 2020 i think which would fall directly in line as a almost a launch aside new hardware but then that being the case so they've been the same position they were with d1 right where they had to develop it for a old generation right. and a new yep. generation so it's when, yeah. yeah that's it so it's whether the current xbox and the current gen consoles are gonna hold it back because we saw that towards the end of d1's life cycle where you know mm -hmm. the xbox sure couldn't do. really do like king's fall that well and or at all and stuff like that so yeah now jarv we know that coming in june we will have the new season of the opulence mm. how can the guardians better prepare for the new content that we're going to be playing because we know we're going to be getting a new raid so yeah. that's going to require some preparation and some work to make sure that you're on that level, that you're ready to go on day one to play that raid. How do you recommend the Guardians get prepped to play the new content this June? Man, you just, you just stole my next video idea. No, I'm joking. Um, so... <laughs> um, um, so nice. It's tough, isn't it? Because none of the powerful... Um, bounties or anything like that will actually advance your power level if you've completed them within the current season so nothing like that will work going into opulence the only things you can really do now which they possibly might change but it's still a problem is the um the keys from the um last wish raid you know the ones that drop when you defeat riven Oh yeah, how can I forget? I've been stacking those for like weeks now. <laughs> yeah, so oh man, you can hold five in your inventory, and after that, you start going to your postmaster and you stack them up in your postmaster. So if you do that, you could have like twenty-five keys across your characters, ten in your postmaster, five across your characters. So potentially, you could use those as a way of getting powerful loot. But it's because Bungie haven't actually come out and said that you. They can't do that anymore because that's what you could do on the previous season. But I know like Chevy and some of the Redeem guys have flagged it to Bungie multiple times over the last couple of weeks as we're getting closer to opulence. You know, we need to fix that issue if you want a level playing ground going into the new raid because ultimately that's what we want, right? We don't want like people that, to plow ahead because they've just stacked up loads and loads and loads of stuff. Everyone needs to start from the same basis. But at the moment, you can do that. So whilst you can i suppose you could um if you can get a raid team together at this moment in time in destiny outside that it's really it's just materials making if you didn't use the exploit for masterwork cores or enhancement cores then you can um 
do your if you've got the rank six clan and then do your clan bounties you can get i think 21 enhancement cores a week across your characters plus you can buy them from spider twice a day if you don't want to spend loads of legendary shards so you can get lots of enhancement cores because they're going to change to gunsmith in the next season so they're going to get rid of scrapper bounties and you're able to do bounties from banshee instead but i don't know if they're going to be any more rewarding for those types of things and they're reducing the loot pool as well for the weapons he has so if you're looking for that fusion rifle that's ridiculous in crucible then you Air might want to try yeah you might want to try and get that now because they might move it out of that loot pool for example um outside that though it's just planetary material so you've got enough to infuse but whether they change the infusion model you know take them take enhancement cores out of infusion please uh, then we don't really know but that's the best you can do at the moment really is all your materials and then those keys to stack them up on your characters and in your postmaster until Bungie come out and say that that's not a thing. Um, at worst, yeah, you know, you might get 1K voices if you haven't got 1K voices. <laughs> I actually just got mine like a couple of weeks ago, and then I was like, finally, it took me like almost 50 runs to get it. But finally, I got it, and I'm like, okay, now I can relax. I don't have to keep grinding the raid three times a week. But now I feel more compelled because we have to get ready for the new season of the opulence. We are going to be playing a new raid. So I'm mm -hmm. trying to prepare as best as I can because I would love to get a week, week one completion to get that really cool jacket. I know there's going to be a jacket um, from Bungie Rewards. That's what I'm really waiting to, to try to get that jacket. And it would be so awesome to get one for the new raid. I'd love to get my hands on one of those jackets too, man. It's just getting the, the team to stay together, really. Yeah. Are yeah. you going to be trying to go for a day one completion or the first uh, weekend completion? It depends on... I suppose it depends on, A, whether we're playing field with the raid keys being fixed ahead of time. Um, and then it just depends on how much time we have between it launching... Uh, and the raid becoming available. I think like when they put it like launch on a Tuesday raid on a Friday, it's like three days of solid grinding is probably not great for the majority of players. Uh, but, you know, they could probably do the raid the following week and give more people more time and maybe only allow you to level up so far, so much so you can't over-level yourself for the raid. I think that's what's probably hindered previous raids apart from last wishes that you've managed to over level for them which obviously then makes the content not as enjoyable so do you think your chase will depend on whether or not they fix that uh raid key glitch yeah i'm, I'm not going to stack up those keys personally um <clears throat> i'm just going to focus on my materials and things like that on the things that i think i should sort of stack up on and build up on um, all my tokens and stuff like that. Trying tokens, <laughs> all my materials and stuff. Then, um, How are you doing me. on uh, enhancement cores? I got fifty-one, I think. I've been stacking them. I've been stacking them. I got about one hundred thirty-five right now. I've been just. I, I'm not infusing anything. Like if I need to Same. get something, I dismantle it and I grab it for my collections at six eighty light. And um, like most of my gear is seven hundred. Uh, on my armor so you know at worst i'm like six nine five six nine six or something like that most of the time so i'm still like above delta i'm not in negative delta when i go into activities so 
yeah, being max been, power doesn't really mean anything, so I get away with it like that for now. Yeah, I've been yeah. saving them up. Yeah, me too. I've been pretty much saving up all of my enhancement cores, pretty much all of my legendary shards, all of my materials. I've been deleting a lot of weapons that I just know I'm not going to be using. A lot mm. of edge transits got dismantled. They continue <laughs> to get dismantled on a pretty consistent basis here. But um, right now, I still have a few things to chase after in the game. I still have to finish my Dredgen title, which uh, Shadow Price, congratulations. I know you did get your Dredgen title finally. Thank completed, you, thank you. So congrats on that. Shout outs. Thank um, you. But uh, I still have to do mine. I would like to maybe get one of the uh, raid titles completed although flawless raid i am not the best at the jumping puzzles so that <laughs> might prove to be a struggle because i mean i freaking suck when it comes to jumping puzzles and i have the worst luck i'll be that guy that like stays alive for every encounter but then like there's that one little jump and i screw it up for the entire team that's such pressure that Good news, uh, corn yeah. Uh, Mario Maker is coming on June 28th. Lots of practice. Lots oh, of practice. Oh, man. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Maybe maybe by uh, by August, I'll, I'll GG. I'll get better so that I can actually do all the jumping puzzles and uh, do that uh, a trip triumph. So that would be cool. But uh, other than Destiny... Jarv, what video games are you most excited to play this year? Play this year. Um, well, Borderlands 3, obviously, no doubt, towards the Ooh. end of the year. Yes, I am um, so excited. Oh, man, I can't wait to play the game. It's going to be <laughs> so good. I'm so ready for it. I've got Division 2, but I haven't really dabbled too much into that just yet. Um, I've been dabbling in a few indie games. Lately, I'm look, um, focusing on sort of the cooperation genre. So it's not not BR game per se, but um, there's like the cycle, which is like a it's a PVE VP game essentially. Um, the Scavengers as well is a new one, which is from um, Midwinter Entertainment. So we spoke about that pre-show. So that's from some of the guys that split from Three Four Three. Some went to Bungie. And some created that studio to make start making that game. When's so, that game coming? So they've got pre-tests early 2019. So um, any time now, really. Um, they are going to E3, but I don't know what they're going to have there, whether it be another trailer game. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it definitely looks interesting. Um, focusing on, you know, team play as well as, you know, direct combat with other players, as well as AI combatants, objectives to complete. Um, it's a bit of a survival game as well, because it's like a apocalyptic world, like a new ice age. So you've got to stay warm and hydrated as well. So that's going to force you to make, you know, certain decisions based on your, you know, are you going to die to the storm? Or are you going to die to, you know, um, enemy players or, or you know, AI? So it's, it's an interesting take on, on the game so i just want to see how that plays out so those types of games are a bit of an interest to me because they're something a little bit different um and it's not really a genre that's sort of mainstreamy because it's not really br the map doesn't shrink uh, or anything like that so 
it's a bit it's more about the objectives on the map which is what draws the players together rather than map rather than the map forcing players together so it's a bit different in that sense and the, and the worlds are living as well so like so like Fortnite, for example there's nothing in that map other than the players that inhabit it whereas these games are you know are like live sandboxes essentially Uh, so Scavenge is, is initially with PC. Uh, the cycle's on PC, but I think they've said they're going to be bringing that to console. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of platforms there. Um, so, yeah, PC primarily to start with. Cool. Well, we'll have to check that out for sure. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to play actually the upcoming mainline pokemon game that will be coming to the nintendo switch and i think that's something i'm super excited about besides borderlands 3 obviously that's going to be a day one purchase but besides that i would say something completely different from fps games like you know destiny and borderlands and even the division 2 i really want to check out the division 2 but i am so overwhelmed with playing through borderlands 2 again now that they released a new patch and actually shout outs to captain kobe who released a new mod update for one of the most popular mods in borderlands 2 uh, let me just find the name of it it is called Borderlands 2 Reborn, a mod pack. And I'll make sure to add um, this info to the show notes if you guys want to check that out. But actually, Captain Kobe will be a guest on our Borderlands podcast called The Borderlands Show. So he'll be on as a guest next week. And we're going to talk to him about the mod that he created and some of the things that we can expect there. Um but um, I know I'm going off tangent here. Sorry. Um, but I'm really excited for video games in 2019 because despite the fact that Xbox and, oh, not Xbox, uh, Sony, well, I guess Xbox too because Xbox isn't really going to have too many big titles released this year. They will be at E3. We do know they will have a presence at E3. I'm thinking we're going to see the new Xbox console revealed there on that stage. <clears throat> yeah, but that's I think just so. my thought. I think so. I think that will people won't really think about the games too much unless they show a new Halo Infinite trailer, which will make sense to have that as a launch title for the new Xbox. I mean, what better game to launch a new console with? I mean, I haven't done that with a Halo game since the original Xbox. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think the the console will be the main focus and then probably show off some of the games that their developers that they took on last E3. Mm-hmm. They, they covered quite a lot of, didn't they, about all these new developers that have been creating games. So we'll find out what yeah. they've been getting on with for the, for the last 12, 18 months. Guys, I'm going to totally call it. And I think that Xbox is going to feature the next generation console and they're going to feature the upcoming Halo 6 or Halo Infinite, and they will feature the Master Chief Collection remastered for the PC. That's going to be their center stage 
thing. They will talk about some of the projects that we can expect in 2020 with the upcoming console. We're going to see some of those early uh, launch titles that they've been working on. We might see some developer highlights from the new companies that they acquired last year. They have acquired mm-hmm. some new uh, game uh, development uh, companies and studios. Um, so we're, we're going to see some cool things from Xbox, and they're going to use this chance as their time to shine because Sony's not going to be present at E3 this year. Neither will EA. So it's going to be heavily uh, dependent on Microsoft and Nintendo to take the lead and show off some really cool things this year. Yeah, Square Enix is uh, taking PlayStation's spot. They're taking their slot. So wow. their their press conference is going to go at 6 p.m. Pacific on that Monday. I think you're right. When you think about what Borderlands has done this year, so they've released the remasters with the main third game at the end of the year. So what better way to lead into Halo Infinite than do the whole Master Collection remaster so the best those games could be on PC. You know, they're going to be launching those throughout the next nine to 12 months because i think reach is going to be the last one and do you then, think they're going to announce reach on uh that day they've, that already, reach, they've already said it's going to be part of the master chief collection yeah do you do you, do you think they'll make it playable that day though that they'll Ooh. say it, and it's out net today and it's out <laughs> right now <laughs> they'll do some announcement like that i don't know if it'd be halo reach to- shadow drop <laughs> i think uh, yeah oh no, go ahead. No, go for it. I was going to say, I think that they totally would shadow drop Halo uh, Reach on PC the day that they have their uh, E3 announcement. The reason why I say that is because they actually started inviting people already to beta test this content. So if they're doing that so early on, they must have it ready to be a playable thing in the game. And for a remake, we know that it's something they've been working on for quite some time. So it's not like they're building out a whole new platform for people to play on. They're upgrading their current platform, which I think it's going to make it a little bit easier for them to release the game. So I think it would be a perfect time for them to release the Halo uh, Reach part of the Master Chief Collection during E3. I think that would be something quite perfect for them to do. Well, we've got only 46 days to find out. Yeah, Yeah, exciting exciting times. Yeah. (laughs) So before we dive into... Hey, what about my video game that I'm most excited to play? What are you, what are you <laughs> most excited about, Shadow Price? <laughs> a couple games. Astral Chain, coming from uh, Nintendo and Platinum Games, and uh, the uh, div- director of Nier Automata. Auto- Auto- I can't Automata. pronounce that too good. Automata, yeah. And I'm excited for that game. I'm excited for a Dragon Quest XI for the Switch, um, the Switch version. And I know a, lot, a couple of these are Switch games. I'm actually excited for also, yeah, Master Chief Collection for uh, PC. And uh, what's the other game? I was just thinking of it. The Outer Worlds. Uh, that's Obsidian. That And Microsoft owns them now. 
but they were developing that game, so it was already going to be multi-plat and everything. Um, it looks like a more interesting Fallout to me. So, and Obsidian's uh, known for their good, 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 uh, good development studio. I think so. You know, it's really interesting that you mentioned Near Automata because that's a game that uh, our last week's guest praised very highly and uh yeah, Rami, that one too mm-hmm. he he was talking about that as being like one of his best games of favorite games of all time so right. that definitely is a game that i want to check out uh, oh, sometime okay. this year and link's awakening the one they bring into switch i want to i want to play that legend of zelda link's awakening because i never played the original on game boy so it would be cool to to play this one and yeah, everything and mario maker 2 Hey Jarv, can you tell that we're Nintendo nerds? So <laughs> is that is that apparent in any way at all? It might be. Maybe a smidge. Maybe just a tiny bit. Just a just tiny bit, bit, right? Just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. So, Jarv, the final question of our discussion with the Guardians. We almost made it through. Where do you see yourself 12 years 12 years from now? Where do you see yourself 12 months from now? 12 months from now. I mean, it's really hard to say, isn't it? Because um, you know, the YouTube out- landscape will probably change between now and then, but being able to adapt is probably the key part. Um, 12 months, I'll probably be in and around probably the 15,000 subscriber mark, maybe, if if current trends continue and there's a big expansion in September again. Because um, you get the uplift from that, so probably around there. But I'm just focused on the next video and just sort of brainstorming ideas based on what's right in front of me right now. I think because we don't even know what Destiny, which is basically my main uh, my main game, looks like. It's really hard to say, really, because my my success really depends on how successful the game is to a degree. Um, so that's a loose look of what probably 12 months looks like for me. If I get anywhere near that, I'd be absolutely overwhelmed. I mean, to get where I am now in just eight months, has been incredible. So um, I try and keep my feet on the ground and just try and keep things realistic and just move, move forward day by day. Right on, right on. Now, do you see yourself maybe covering more games than just Destiny, or do you see yourself primarily being a Destiny content creator? I think Destiny will be the go-to um, just because that's where there's got a deep passion for Destiny. But um, I've dabbled in, uh, dabbled in a few games. Borderlands I'll most definitely be, be looking at, but that's going to be quite a saturated time towards the end of the year covering that. Obviously, there'll be a lot of content creators covering that, so it'll be difficult to rank well with a game like Borderlands. So you're going to have to be smart with the types of videos that you put out with that. Um and like I say, scavengers and a few other indie games, which sort of emerging games. I'm sort of, you know, supporting those developers and um, trying to see how those games develop over the next sort of 12 to 18 months, because those could be quite interesting titles, which is a games that people would turn to when their main game sort of quiets down or they want to try something a little bit different, right? Like Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night. Mm. I'm excited for that one because I like Castlevania. Yes, it's so like right now with Destiny, you know, it'd be a perfect opportunity to dabble in a 
another game or oh i haven't finished horizon zero dawn let me go play that and finish that off you know you you have the opportunity to do that now because you're not really missing out on anything right excellent game by the way yeah so many games on playstation i have to do that with the horizons are dawn god of war red dead redemption 2 the list goes on i have just so so huge of a black backlog that's the only reason i have a playstation for those exclusive games they're absolutely phenomenal I have a PlayStation for Beat Saber because Beat Saber is awesome. <laughs> That's what I play on there. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that I like to play whenever I like if I'm ever like stressed out or if I'm like nervous about something or anxious about something. Uh like last week we interviewed a pretty legendary figure in our community and I'm 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 not going to lie I was a little a little nervous, you know, going no, into it. I'm like, yeah, this is this is big, you know. Like, <laughs> don't, don't blow it, corn. This is your big moment. Don't uh, screw it all up. So I decided to go and play some Beat Saber, and man, it was so much fun. I'm starting to dabble with expert mode, so I'm I'm getting better slowly but surely. You'll be a prey before you know it, mate. Working on it, and actually. <laughs> um, they are they're hiring for this uh community manager gig that I am applying for, although they want you to go and move to fucking Croatia. What the shit? I looked at the application, I'm like, I, I want to apply because I think it would be really fun to do. But Croatia? I, I I don't know if I can make that move, man. That would be a little a little much. But I'm still going to apply. Although I will request that they allow me to work remotely. Um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, good luck with that, dude. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate that. Um, sorry about that. Okay, so let's talk about the Revelry 2019. We're on week two of the new Revelry event. Have you guys had a chance to play through the Revelry or the um, the Haunted Forest, the Verdant Forest? I mean, I did it in about three hours. I, I don't really, I haven't really touched it since I got the Arbalist because I did. That's like seven out of the nine triumphs, I think, to get that. Um, I think the Revelry's done what we asked Bungie to do because I think when it was the Haunted Forest people were like oh but there's only so many waves or you know seven branches or whatever now with the Reverie you can go to like a thousand branches if you want which is now what people are complaining about it's like too long and things like that so I know it's like you want one thing they deliver it and it's actually we didn't want that at all it's um but you know they learn from these things and they'll they'll adjust um I think it's been fun. Um, I just wish it got more difficult, you know, so it felt like there was a reason to want to go further and further rather than just going, I've got 30 waves. That's probably enough time I need to take out five bosses and then just wiping so you load up at the bosses. That doesn't, that's not how it was supposed to be played. So I just wish it got more difficult. That'd be my only thing about the branches, really. But other than that, it's, it is what it is. It's a, it's a free event and, as an exotic, which is an you know uh, an end goal and an encouragement for people to play it. Yeah, i I think that the event itself <clears throat> it 
it's okay. It's not bad. I think that the Verdant Forest, they brought some really interesting concepts to the game. And if you think about it, this is probably the closest we've gotten to an actual horde mode. So in that respect, I think they did a pretty good job with it. And it was the beginning of something potentially awesome. Mm. I don't think it's fully baked yet. I think they have to keep baking that bread into something better. Because I think that if they increase the difficulty of the activity as you progress, it's going to add a really interesting layer to the game. If they increase the cool loot that you get in the game, obviously that's going to keep people playing this activity more. It would be more just, of a horde mode, just yeah. Like yeah, increase the it. difficulty. Yeah. You know, branches could equal buffs or kills. So killing ads in a certain way gives you a certain buff, which reduces cooldowns. You know, they could do different things to try and assist you with going too. yeah you yeah make the player earn the modifier based on how just, they play. yeah you just know? like in prison of elders you know how you would advance around and then the modifiers would uh would would change they'd add new modifiers and things like mm. that yeah i think they had that didn't they in the haunted forest didn't the modifiers change from wave on i think branch they did. to branch yeah. yeah i think they might have yeah done. yeah you're, yeah they did yeah you're right they did <laughs> You know what I think the problem is with the activity? And this is just me speculating, but I think the fact that they made the activity available for all players, they had to maybe tone down the difficulty because they may have had some trouble allowing for, you know, all Destiny 2 players to be able to enjoy the activity. Um, but it, this could be totally unrelated, but that's my thought as yeah. one possible answer to why it, it's not progressively more difficult as you play through more and more branches so the verdant forest is a 200 power activity so it doesn't it scales so they could have done the difficulty thing and have it scale based on your power level because anyone anyone can go in there at pretty much 200 plus but i think the negative connotation or approach to it is because it's from the Infinite Forest, which is the Curse of Osiris, and not many people like that as an expansion, and not many people like the Infinite Forest as a result of that, right? So anything that uses that, there's already that sort of lackluster approach to it almost, really, because it's they feel like it's going to be underwhelming to a degree because they didn't like the DLC to begin with. I mean, it's a, a decent backdrop, like because it's nice how they decorated with all the... Like flowers and you know green. Oh, the tower is incredible! Like, like that's probably yeah. the best they've done the tower across all the events, hands down. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I totally agree with that. What other space could they have used? Like, is there anything that's like vast enough for them to? Um. Yes, the prison of elders from Destiny. They had so well, many maps available. Yeah, you're right. They could have like reprised the reef and everything because yeah. the reef is in the game and sort of. I mean, in the Warden and Nothing Strike and everything. So we know yeah, the I assets think... are there, and it's possible. Oh, Tangled Shore. Tangled Shore is part of the reef, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think like all these expansions that we've had have all been missing one thing, right? And you touched on it just then. It's just the addition of some real estate that's new, or even going back somewhere, something that adds something to a destination or is a new area. To, other than like Black Island forges and stuff, that's fine. But actually, like, 
a meaningful new area which houses just the activity on its own. So going back to the infinite forest for an activity is one thing, but actually creating somewhere new for a new activity is completely different. Could it be because like all hands are deck or on Destiny 3 right now? Pro probably. Because even when like, you look at the Reckoning, it's pretty much the space from Trials, right? They've just sort of repurposed it a little bit um, to a degree. So I think you're... They are limited on their resources. I think you're right. I can I can appreciate the fact that you know they have limited resources, and that they are a company who can only do so much. They are all hands on deck, probably on Destiny Three. However, I will say to that, they sold us on an annual pass, on top of a forty dollar expansion, which I think it was a fair amount to sell. So that means they have to allocate certain resources in order to keep these activities feeling fresh and good and fun. Why? Because they're charging you that annual pass subscription. So I think it is within their responsibility to update the vendors each season, right? I don't think it's unreasonable to ask of them to do that. And if they have to hire a couple of extra people on board in order to accomplish this, great, do that. But yeah, I, there like needs to be some kind of an answer to giving us more each season without having to take anything away from their Destiny 3 assets. And even if they bring back some of the old weapons, I mean, they have so much in Destiny 1 that they can reintroduce into Destiny 2 that would really make the game feel awesome again. Like, look at Iron Banner, for example. We have Iron Banner this week. And mm -hmm. there are so many awesome weapons from Destiny 1 in the Iron Banner that I really wish they brought back, but they haven't even mentioned it. So. I'm wondering, is this something we'll see in the fall or maybe I know there are speculations about an annual pass being released this fall. Do you guys think that maybe this fall we're going to see some of the Destiny 1 content come back into Destiny 2 in some way? It, it would make sense. So. I, 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 would kinda, I, I, don't, I don't know. You, you get I mean, first, not everything, but like it would make sense for some things to come back, you know, because, I mean, they have all that data. They have all the, the code for that. They, you know, it's it, it wouldn't be that hard to implement some of these things, you know. Um, I'm not saying everything has to be like, you know, copy paste D1 and everything, but, you know, some things, yeah, that would be nice. I mean, it would, you know, bring back some old Crucible maps, because yeah. if you're having such a hard time making new maps, bring a, give us like Rusted Lands again. Give us yeah. Twilight Gap. Give us, you know, give yeah. us a, a Blind Watch. Like all the maps that I played in D1 that I loved and I would love to play in D2. Imagine being able to play an expansion where you can go and do Ikora Meditations of Destiny 1 story missions how awesome would that be to be able to go back and play through those missions for them to add the destiny one strikes into destiny two and even if it's not all of them all at once because that's a lot of strikes for them to bring into this new into the dlc but even if it's just like the first four that came out with the vanilla destiny game and that's how they would pretty much start out the season pass i would be so on board with that even if it was like 
$30-40 for a pass to get new uh, content that was reimagining from Destiny 1. I think that would be so, so cool for them to do. I would just like just the spaces again. Let me go back to Venus. Let me go back to the moon. I love those places. Like mm-hmm. the Cosmodrome. I mean, there's no reason why we can't go back to those places and everything. You know, and I just I have all that real estate and everything still. It's like these places didn't blow up. The moon is still there. And Venus is still there. Like, <laughs> it would just be, if they can't give us, like, the new, new lo- locations, like, let us let us experience some of those older locations and more, like, reprise-type type missions and things like that. Yeah, I mean, possibly that could be something they may look at for, like, if they delivered it over the seasons, for example, because it wouldn't take a lot to develop it because it's already developed in terms of not, not using up all their resources to create new assets when they'd be doing D3 stuff right now. I think with the current annual pass, you've got High Moon and Vicarious Visions. So I think the, the reason that we don't see a lot of the vendor updates and all the faction stuff is because those loot pools are all probably done bungee side, right? And then obviously the expansions and the annual pass stuff is done studio side with High Moon and, and Vicarious. So... Ultimately, it's them that need to finish up the annual pass. So Bungie haven't really been working on the annual pass, really. Um, They'll be working on the new raid, though. I think they've been working on the new raid. But I think most of the expansions that we've been playing over the last nine months or so have been purely from those two studios. And that's like four or 500 heads they'll be losing as soon as uh, Opulence goes live. So. Fun fact, uh, Vicarious Visions is just down the road here uh, from us. They're in Albany, New York. Mm. We should, like, interview them at some point. That would be a really awesome conversation to have with some of the teams that worked on Destiny with Vicarious Visions. Yeah, that man, I mean, that's, the, that's been their job for the last three three years, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So... What do you guys think the revelry did well this season? Um, I mean, they made it, I don't know, kind of interesting. They made the forest uh, interesting, I guess, a little bit. It just, you know, it wasn't, I mean, it was fun to play. When I first played it, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed how, like, it, you could just go for a while. It was an yeah. activity that you could just yeah play with your buds and it's an it's an activity that's accessible for all. So if you've got someone that's been out of the game for a long time, they can jump straight into brand new content. And there's powerful wingrams there that they can get to level up quick. You know, over the weeks that the revelry's there, so that's a way of trying to maybe get them up to a level where they can enjoy some of the other content the game offers and trying to you know recapture those players. So that's quite good. The exotics, a nice in-game chase, but again, that chase didn't take that long, really. Um, and ornaments, they brought back ornaments for, for helmets. It's just unfortunate they're only going to last for as long as the event. Uh, yeah. So, you know, they just need to encourage and bring back more of that type of armor, really, but keep it long-term now. Imagine if they were able to pull off something more substantial with this kind of event and bring back you know a new type of 
one new type of weapon. So you would get one scout rifle, one fusion rifle, one um, hand cannon, one sniper. That's all themed around this activity. That would be such a fun thing to continue playing and chasing after. And I think they can do some really cool things with, with this content if they just spent a little bit more time I really hope they come back to it because there's something really cool about this uh, 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 Verdant Forest activity that's really fun, for me anyways, because you get a chance to get this horde mode activity, but the timer makes you always keep moving forward in order to progress, in order to get to that final boss stage and get that extra time. I think there's so much they can develop with this. They can add more depth to it, just like how what we saw with Gambit Prime. You know, they can add layers of challenge and strategy to this activity to make it more fun. And I think it could be something they can potentially even tie into the, um, uh, what are those things called? The faction rallies. So here's an interesting concept. So you've got the Infinite Forest, or, um, or the Haunted Forest, or, or whatever it's known as now. So you've got the present, the past, and the future. So what if you have teams start at each of those points, and then they have to race through the Infinite Forest to a central point? It's randomly generated up until that central point, but there's something in the middle for them to capture or take out or something like that. So it's like a PvEVP style style activity, but utilizing the internet forest with multiple teams. It's, yeah, it's just com combining multiple elements. Really, that probably wouldn't take that much to develop as a longer term sort of stand standalone activity. It'd be like a nine man activity, wouldn't it? So. That's kind of a good idea. That's uh, that sounds interesting. Actually. Well, we did get a nine-man activity with Mind Well and with Escalation Pro. That was a pretty good start. Mm. So each branch could have a, a sort of a mini boss on it. You could sort of, and the first one to finish is the one that gets the loot. It's like a race. Mm, that loot, would really. be pretty interesting. Yeah, that almost adds a PvP aspect to the game. Yeah, without you directly like engaging the other teams. So yeah, I yeah. like it. And then like a huge boss at the end and everything. Yeah, like, a big one that, boss. The one that doesn't have stomp mechanics, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what do you guys think that Bungie could have done better with the revelry? How could it have been made better for you? Well, just like what uh, Jar said there, I think that'd be pretty cool. Like, that's that's a cool idea. That's something fresh. Um, it they haven't done anything like that before. Uh, I think again, it just went down to time and limitation, and you know, also staff limitation and everything mm -hmm. like that. You know. Just support from Activision they have to essentially find other means of funding their game and I know they do have that partnership with NetEase so 
it's going to be interesting to see what they do financially in order to continue the Destiny franchise. Because if you think about it right now, I don't know how they're really monetizing that much on this game. There's microtransactions here and there, but, you know, the annual pass, most people already bought it. Yeah, they're definitely more aggressive on the Eververse side of things. Look at the multiple packages that are available now that you have to purchase for like 1500 silver, which is pretty much what, 15, 20 bucks or something like that. So, you know, they they definitely got more aggressive since they split from Activision on that front. I think the money from NetEase, wasn't that for their new IP, which is only known as Matter? at the moment yes yeah that's um, correct because i think bungie want to become a multiple multi-ip develop like developer basically yeah they want to have a more of a revenue stream and things yeah. like that i'm sure yeah just, just hope it's not a mobile game i'm pretty that'll go down one <laughs> yeah See, I think that they probably should focus on one game right now and make it perfect and then focus on building another game because when you stretch yourself too thin, you know, you end up creating a lot more problems for yourself where the quality of the end product won't be quite as good. Mm. Issues from the management standpoint where a lot of really good talented writers got let go and they redid a lot of things about the game that could have made destiny one better arguably and getting rid of marty o'donnell although we don't know all of the details of what happened with that but these are all decisions that and also d2 the way that launched but uh bungie has a lot to learn and I think that Bungie is an incredible company. They're incredibly talented with what they're able to come up with. And arguably, they come up with first-person shooters in the best way possible. You can't, they feel good to play, for sure. Yeah, it, it, absolutely it, feels, nailed that. it feels best with Destiny. It feels better than Call of Duty or Overwatch or Fortnite or any other game you can bring at bring up right now destiny does it better and it's that special magic that bungie brings to the table that nobody else can replicate they did so with halo and they they did it with destiny and that is why we come back and we keep playing this game activities in the future and they can build upon them and make them even bigger than what we have now so let's talk about the bungie weekly update and we have several things that were announced this week some that we're kind of excited about others that we probably will have some words uh to comment on <laughs> The Destiny Update 2.2.2 is coming next month in May, and it will include changes in development for Season of the Opulence, including a really controversial one. And I think the best way to introduce this weekly update is to read the introduction paragraph 
about both the weekly update and the balance the bite part of the <laughs> update. Cool. And I'm just... it, it starts with the power-enabled combat of Iron Banner is live, and Guardians are mixing things up a bit. Wolves' favor, Iron's burden, and the Reveler's tonic have all combined for a lively event. Whether you're... The rules and experiment with your loadout. Double Valor is currently available, and Triple Valor begins tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. So that is how the update begins. And it sounds pretty good. It sounds like they're doing some cool things that Iron Banner is here and we have new ways to play. We can break the rules and do cool things. And then we have the elephant in the room. Balancing the bite. And it starts with this. At the release of Destiny 2's Forsaken, two pinnacle weapons became available for players to earn in the competitive playlist in the Crucible. Each weapon has a unique quest, requiring mastery of hand cannons to complete. There have been a lot of feedback on how the pinnacle Crucible hand cannons stand above most other weapons in the sandbox. Today, we'll be going through some balancing changes planned for Season of the Opulence. We wanted to start this conversation early to ensure players understood what changes were coming, even if they were still on the path to acquiring these rewards. Here's the Destiny dev team to walk us through the planned changes. Well, <laughs> this already sounds... Yeah, it's definitely a, a punch in the gut a little bit, like for the people who grinded for these weapons and things like that, because, you know, just read down a little further and yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's not looking good. We'll know a lot more. And they continue to state the following. We wanted to give you a preview of some plans we have to balance Luna's Howl and Not Forgotten in Season of the Opulence. After significant amount of feedback, internal discussion, and playtesting, we've decided to adjust how these hand cannons work. For some players, these weapons can, can represent a significant investment of time that have a personal improvement needed to acquire them. When tuning, we attempted to take into account the time commitment players make to acquire these weapons and balance against how these weapons affect the different game modes. Magnific Magnificent Howl, the unique perk on these weapons, is too effective. It works in a neutral setting and rewards players for getting precision shots, something they would have done naturally. As a result, the time to kill of the game shifts to meet this new benchmark, and players feel that the majority of primary weapons in Destiny to make the Luna's Howl and Not Forgotten the only 150 RPM precision hand cannons. They will maintain some aspects of their current behavior while taking on the firing speed and damage of the 
150 RPM hand cannons. Magnificent, magnificent Howl will also be adjusted so that it increases only body shot damage, resulting in two headshot, one body shot kills. Magnificent Howl will also give an advantage due to requiring less precision hits for optimal time to kill. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So they're changing the whole archetype. They're changing the archetype of these weapons, basically. Like, they were 180s, and they're going to 150 now. So it'd be 150, and Magnificent How only works on body shots? Yeah, so it only increases only body shot damage, it says. Yeah, result in a two headshot, or yeah. (laughs) Two headshot, one by shot Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's been more complaints about Telesto and Yoten than there have been those two weapons because you have to earn them, right? Whereas the other two, yeah. just sort of a little bit lucky. The way I think the one key line for me is um, in the second paragraph where it says, as a result, the time to kill of the game shifts to meet this new benchmark. Which also applies to me that these two guns are standout, right? So as a result, any gun that they create needs to match or better the time to kill for them to be worthy. Like if they're creating new exotics, right, they need to be better than the time to kill or at least match that of those two guns. So rather than potentially have a time to kill that's not fun or negatively impacts players, what do you do? You change the two weapons that are a standout, which is you know, a bad reflection on people's time investments to a degree. Yeah, and people are pretty pretty vocal about it on Twitter yeah. and everything. You know, it's like because yeah, they they spent the time to grind for these. Even myself, like I spent a long time grinding for well, just Luna's Hollow because that's all I got. I don't have the other one. I, you know, I haven't been able to take on that grind, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, for not forgotten it's just it kind of sucks that they basically took the weapons that were pinnacle weapons they're called pinnacle weapons for a reason and now they're they're going to be they're changing the archetype to for them to be less effective you know making your grind almost null and void Mm. i mean surely just changing the archetype would have been enough to change the ttk a little bit on those weapons right yeah yeah i mean it's going to it's definitely going to now because they won't be able to fire as fast and everything so yeah i i think this is a really bad move because i mean i also did grind out to get my luna's howl and the grind is pretty substantial and for them to change the the core of how the weapon plays in such a big way. I I don't know if that was really the correct response to it. And I have a really difficult time understanding why no other weapon is able to bear against the Lunas Howl or the Not Forgotten, because a lot of people did use like Ace of Spades, uh, Thorn, 
We also got the last word. So we had quite a few hand cannons that can go against the Lunas Howl and the Not Forgotten. So I'm really baffled by this change. And it almost kind of tarnishes the trust that you have with the developers to not mess with the weapon that you grinded for. So yeah. in the future, players might think, well, we kind of got shafted that one. With the May update, we just got a big nerf, and they said F you to all the players who took the time to grind to get those weapons. So I don't think this is the correct response on their part, especially at a time when content is so thin and other games are doing so many incredible things, like The Division 2 and Borderlands is really doing a lot of things uh, this time of year. So they're going to have a lot of competition and for them to make this kind of a big change, that's pretty controversial. I don't know if that was a necessary uh, nerf for them to make in the game. Do you guys think this was a necessary change? Not the way, not like this. No, no I mean, yeah. this is... This is go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I don't think those two weapons are the problem with Crucible. I think if you've got a group of people together, they're not all going to say that those two weapons are the reason that Crucible is the way it is. I think Bungie missed a trick when they took away Crucible Labs. Like, like if they're going to make something changes like this, throw it into Crucible Labs and let the community actually get a feel to what they're trying to achieve, you know, with something like that, and actually take the community's feedback on board and whether that's a good or a bad thing. Um, they they don't use Crucible Labs; they took it out now, so. You know, I think that was a missed trick. I think they need to, if they're going to be making sweeping changes to what people spend a lot of time to invest, then you need to give the people that invest that time the opportunity to, you know, give their feedback to. I think that's we should. Really yeah, good yeah. Point. That's, that's a really, really good well point. said. Really well said. Yeah. I th I think like this is going to burn some people, burn some players. Like this is the problem that people have had with Destiny. a lot of time grinding for it and they just nerf nerf them into the ground basically mm -hmm. you know take out the characteristics that made them special and everything you know it is it's just people have had a problem with that since day one and then you're just looking at people saying well uh bye destiny 2 it was nice playing you people are going to do that now because they just you lose faith in and you know what they're doing and everything how they're what they're doing with this players are just going to lose faith you know yeah, absolutely because those two weapons take skill to earn and then they take skill to use because you still need to get the precision hit to get the perk to activate so it just baffles me really yeah these are changes that bungie introduces to the game that i'm really about and i just don't really understand personally and i hope that You know, it's going to affect how I play the game in the future as far as how I grind for what I grind for because it doesn't instill any faith that what I am grinding for is going to be the same weapon six months from now. So I think these are all considerations that they need to make. 
and it's not easy balancing a game like destiny at the same time so you know we can sit here and be critical of them but we also have to consider that there is data that is available to them so maybe there's something that we're not understanding but yeah. it would be nicer for them to be more open and transparent about the changes that they're going to make, especially with something big like this. I think that if they do have some data that would strongly back up their decision, I think it would be important for them to show that data in this update to kind of ease the player response, because I know a lot of people are going to be really pissed off about this decision. And the biggest the biggest problem here is there's not enough endgame pursuits for Crucible and everything. So you take the one thing that was endgame, the thing you got, the trophy weapon you got, and you're now changing their art, the, the characteristics of it. People, I mean, you know, it's... If you look at the time to kill for Recluse when she got that perk active, is that any worse or any better than those? Like, I've seen some ridiculous clips of people with that perk active and taking out five, six, seven guardians on a row, you know? It's just... I just hope they don't... Because you can go after every pinnacle weapon, but if... I don't know, I just... It's because the hand cannons are meta. The hand cannons are meta, and more than what a submachine gun is, I guess. Submachine guns were, you know, less than stellar. There were a few that were decent, but, you know, they not a lot of people were using them. And everything yeah so and, and yeah so so we can all agree on the fact that they're fixing the crucible in the wrong ways right now there are other issues with the crucible that we can have an entire episode about and talk about the things that are wrong with the crucible but there I got is one more thing to bring up yes now yes. the only thing that i can think of why they're doing it is they they've got some things cooking up for crucible that they said that they're working on and to balance it properly that they're making this change possibly like yeah <laughs> that's the only other thing i can think of because they haven't been able to deliver any positive messages for crucible like since forsaken launched right they pretty much come out and said trials is not they're not even crucible's on the table but trials isn't and then you've, you've got these changes to pinnacle weapons so there's not been a great deal of positivity might say it could be that they're working on something but if that's the case like you said about the data there needs to be an element of transparency there that it's because of something else along the road that they can't talk about yet at least offer that at least that's a, there's a reason for it because um, yeah yeah you're working on it what are you working on like yeah. give us give us something you know <laughs> yeah i'm hoping that is what is happening here because the Crucible needs some love. It needs some TLC. I think that a lot of people are leaving Destiny because of the state of the Crucible. In fact, shout out to Crucible Radio. They finished their 200th episode and they're finishing up their podcast about Destiny and the Crucible with this episode. And it's kind of sad to see people like that, like giving up on crucible and destiny and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this affects content creators going into this summer and also going into the fall to see how all of this impacts our community as a whole because i'm sure a lot of people are going to be compelled to cover games like borderlands 3 when that comes out yeah that's going to be the big looter shooter in the this year 
later this year. So, yeah. So we did learn about a few other things with this week's this week at Bungie or the Bungie Weekly Update, as we like to call it. We learned about Verdant Light. Uh, there were some competitive changes that had to be that had to be made because the activity was increasing guitar errors. Uh, so the new change has been uh, launched in the game, and that means no revelry orbs in Gambit, no revelry orbs in Gambit Prime, raids, or competitive crucible. <laughs> they stated the following about this change. As the above listed activities no longer provides progress, players are required to create 200 orbs by defeating other guardians with precision kills in quick play, rumble, and featured crucible playlists. That means that you'll be able to play Iron Banner this week. And that was the... And also, I know that uh, Jarv will appreciate this. There is a Shattered Throne ride-along that was just announced today. And it will be taking place on Monday, April 29th at 2.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time at twitch.tv forward slash Bungie. I'll be there. That'd be a good one. Yeah. They're going to have developers on hand to speak about their inspiration Behind the Shattered Throne, they'll share some of their uh, stories of development, and they're going to answer questions live on stream. So definitely do check that out on Monday, April 29th at 2.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on twitch.tv forward slash Bungie. Hey, maybe they'll tease something, possibly. No, that would they, be never, cool. they never do. DJ always comes out and says, this isn't a real Bill stream. This is a right long stream. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, he'll open a bottle of champagne with his eye. Though. He loves saying that, and then he'll <laughs> say, "Oh, we have a sip of this uh, room temp. What? What was it? Warm something." Temp- there we go. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Deech from Bungie. Hi, I'm Deech from Bungie. <laughs> I think you did that better. <laughs> So we have some more good news from this week's update. If you are able to accomplish 2,500 Iron Burden kills in the Iron Banner, you will get some extra loot. You'll get a new emblem in the game. That's pretty cool. It's cool that some people have been choosing that. That's a lot, though. How how have they been choosing it? So they've just been loading into the Asian two teams and then trading wins and kills with the burden huh interesting people oh, always will wow. find a way <laughs> yeah yeah it was all it's all over twitter someone tweeted like finally done it and it's like well maybe you would what maybe you don't want your stats to show on destiny tracker if you've been trading wins and it's just like a screenshot of destiny tracker where they've been trading kills and wins pretty much back to back to get the 2,500. Mm. So if you earn it legitimately, thumbs up to you guys. But if you haven't, then I don't know. I don't know what Bungie will do about that or whether they'll do anything if you've earned it illegitimately. But 
2,500, that's a lot. How many Iron Burden kills do you guys have? Zero. Zero. <laughs> like, a hundred and something? I don't know. I, I, I'm not... The emblem's cool, but I'm not going to do this. <laughs> nah, nah, same. I'll go in at 700. I don't, I don't want to make it any harder than for me. Like, <laughs> just give me. If there was like more than just an emblem, like something else that was uh, more, more carrots, maybe like a cool weapon from D1, then yeah. I would do it. I'd totally do it. If there was a cool weapon from D1, Iron Banner weapon, I'm in. I would do it. I would, like, for sure do it. Clever Dragon returns. Yeah. Uh, Yolder's Hammer. Uh, Yolder's Hammer, like, yeah. Felwinter's Lie. Uh, Ephrodite's Spear. Like They might add some more incentives to do it. They might add some extra things. I'll, I think I might try to go for it. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think I'm currently at about 250 myself, so I mean, I'm at about 10% of the way there. It's going to be a grind. I don't know if I can commit that kind of time because I have a lot of podcasting projects that I'm working on and a lot of different things like that, so we'll see. If I can squeeze in the time, I'll do it. The longevity of the events that we're playing, so I think things like this Step in the right direction. I think we need more of this. So, is there anything else in this week's update that you guys want to mention before we move on to the final segment of the evening? I just want to comment on the movie of the week, Tripping Over Mines. They've thrown all the trip mines at the sparrow and then driving the sparrow into the strike boss. Is that what I've doing? not seen it. I've uh, not seen that one. Yeah. Just take the time to watch it, and that's actual gold. Like, hats off to those guys who are even... ...do the strike. So they use the um, revelry buff to throw loads of trip mines at the Sparrow. So the Sparrow is literally covered in trip mines. They take out the turrets and then drive the Sparrow into the boss, and it just kills him instantly. What? Oh my god, that's awesome. That's amazing. That's, that's so really cool. cool. Brilliant. Well deserved. So how to those guys. It's amazing how creative people in our community get in Destiny and how encouraging Bungie is of content like this. It's cool that they have movie of the week as a part of their weekly update. I think it's a really cool way to celebrate the content creators that are making awesome content in the game. Mm-hmm. Always expect the unexpected with movie of the week, but that's a classic. Yeah, and actually, uh, Log Power Slave he made a really hilarious uh, video slash uh, music parody. I think it was two weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. He yeah. was an honorable mention, but he should have won, in my opinion, because he was so fucking funny. <laughs> Man, yeah, I thought, I thought it should have won too. Yeah. Um, we're going to do something special with that. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to share it just yet, but, uh, whenever you guys hear the final episode this week, you'll understand what I'm talking about, but we're going to do something cool and funny this week. So, uh, stay tuned for that tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, let's, before we move on to the next topic, 
we have a tradition on the show where we give the weekly update spicy tuna rolls between one and five, and we rate this update based on how good we think Bungie did this week. And in honorable fashion, Shadow Price, do you want to kick things off and give honorable ratings to this week's TWAB? All I got is two. I can't I can't give it any more than that. <laughs> like just the whole like thing with the Luna's howl and not forgotten, just taking the characteristics out of what made those guns like special to, you know, the grind for them and everything like that. Just, you know, just another I feel like a misstep. So, yeah, like that was the highlight, which was a low light. So it's a two. <laughs> uh, Jarv, what, what do you think? Three, I mean, it's no more than that, is it? I mean, I might give it a three, one, one for each of the three in the fire team for doing the strike boss kill. But other than that, I think... Yeah, it's not really worth more than two in a, in all honesty. It's it's not their greatest weekly update, let's put it that way. They've had better ones, for sure. Yeah, I would I would probably give it a two myself, and I would give it a lower score if it wasn't for the twenty five hundred iron bird burden kill extra emblem that we get to chase after and the um what else did they announce here? Take a look. Yeah, what did they announce? <laughs> that was, that yeah. was it. Anybody? Oh, the Shattered Throne right along. It was pretty controversial in a very bad way. And I think this is the really wrong move. They're preparing players for the update that will be a very controversial update for a lot of players and they can't afford that they cannot afford that they do not have content that is rich and filled with stuff to do enough to be able to make changes like this and keep the player base that's already very upset and turbulent about the state of the crucible so yeah, I mean, so I at least they're too. preparing people. I guess that's the only thing I could say. You know, it's like you, so you didn't like get blindsided by it when they do it and everything. You know, oh, man, can you imagine if they said nothing? Oh Come my on. god! <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's just uh, wait, what? This gun can only do this now, and yeah. I have to what? <laughs> yeah. And- and here's the thing, because they have to prepare people for something, they know that it is a substantial enough change for them to make where they really should be thinking twice about this decision. I don't think this is the right time for it, honestly. If they were to make such a change, maybe in the fall, but you don't do it in the summer. I just I think the timing is really wrong. But hey, what do I know? I don't really know their plans for the next two three months so i don't really know with this season of the opulence and i think it's a great segue to talk a little bit about season of the opulence that is 
going to be coming to Destiny 2, I want to say the beginning of June, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, we first know, week of June, I believe. We know we're getting a new raid. That's been confirmed. I'm going to say June 4th. That's a Tuesday. Yeah. So Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Week before E3. Now, what do you guys personally want to see from this uh, new raid that we'll be getting as part of the endgame with Season of the Opulence? Some bosses. A boss that we actually know who they are. Like, it's all well and good doing a raid, but when I get to the end, I'm like, who? Like, I, like it doesn't form any part of the story or... Um, Law or narrative up until that point. Um, obviously, Callus, we sort of uh, knew little bits about, but um, yeah, I just feel like. I don't want when, Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, somewhere when you get to the end and you think, yeah, like now's my time to like, you know, level the score or even the odds or something that, there's a reason and a purpose for you chasing this person down or going after them. But the last couple of raids haven't really had that feeling about them, really. I get to the end of the scourge and I have no idea why I'm fighting a robot, really, to be honest. In some way, which is fine. Um, because I liked what they tried with Leviathan with the puzzles and stuff. But um, I like like the um, Sparrow Stars. It's probably the best Leviathan raid. So, From the images that they showed... It looks darker, like it looks more dimly lit mm. in there. So, like, is that going to have some sort of like mechanical mechanics? It's like, the, like, is that going to play into the mechanics of it? I mean, as long as I'm not getting sucked out by Callus in the Shadow Realm, like, I'm <laughs> fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think in many ways the raid in Season of the Opulence will be very substantial for the game because it will be the testing ground to see how does a sandbox fare when it's updated with a new raid encounter, but still using that same environment, using that same sandbox. And if it's successful, then it could pave the way us seeing raids like the vault of glass come back you know and wrath of the machine raids like that coming back into d d2 in the form of maybe that's a good point annual it's a test pass, testing annual pass content is that they have been getting a lot better at taking player feedback and using the advice to make something better the second time around take forsaken as an example i think that uh rami last week put it perfectly where it didn't even feel like a dlc it didn't feel like an update it felt like an entire new game with how much content we got with forsaken and how substantial of a change it was in this game so i think it was well worth the 40 dollars that they ask for that content uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how the upcoming raid will play a role in the overall picture. And they did mention that this is a raid. They were very specific about that. So it's not going to be a raid layer 
that's going to be a few jumping puzzles and then you finally fight one boss. I think that they're going to make the Leviathan the raid that it was intended to be in the very beginning, and they will tell a very interesting story about Callus that is still yet to be told, and we're going to learn more about the Cabal in a really cool, unique way through awesome lore, hopefully, as well. Yeah, I mean, there's rumors that that's going to set up some of the story of D3 with the veil, like, rumored to be, we'd be going up against and everything. Um, I mean, again, these are all rumors from, you know, the uh, posts from Man on the Nine and everything. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It'd be nice if they are able to fully realize it, fully realize that raid. And then, yeah, build upon that and then be able to, like you said, yeah, bring. Again, that those are raids that they could be doing something with, like they're doing something with this raid. So it'd be nice if they could go back and do that with the other ones. Yeah, these are all assets they can reuse and repurpose to make a better Destiny 2, in my opinion. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they incorporate a lot of these changes into the upcoming content that we get post this year's annual pass and going into the fall and beyond, because it's going to be a really critical year for Destiny, especially with games like Borderlands 2, with um, that game being out in September. I'm sorry, I keep saying, yes, Borderlands 3. You know, I do this on the other podcast, too. It's a problem that I have. Oh, rip. Yes. Uh, yeah, so it's like, it's funny. Even Rami brought this up last week. It's like, they're always, like, testing us. Like, it's always, like, some sort of, they're testing stuff. They're testing to see if it's going to work, you know, mm-hmm. if it's something that the players are going to respond well to or if the players hate it, you know, so... Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a really interesting time, especially with what we heard from Luke Smith earlier this year in January, I want to say, and him foreshadowing us maybe going back into the Vault of Glass or somehow the Vex Not being a lost part. Not everything is lost dark of time, yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty powerful statement. So it's going to be really interesting to see what is coming with the new season of Opulence. We also know that we're getting a new six-player activity, and that's going to be interesting. Also, do you guys have any thoughts on what this new activity could be? Patrol zone, maybe? Like some sort of patrol slash maybe this is where they can do something with like faction rallies again, possibly? Because they've been really quiet about that, other factions and everything. So maybe they can integrate them somehow or something, or it could be something entirely new. It'd be easy to think of a horde activity, but I think we need to think bigger or different. I think we need to move away from horde modes a little bit in terms, if you're going to make a new six man activity, it needs to be almost like the pinnacle PVE activity outside a raid it's going to take you six people to get together right so i know it's that's interesting so we think this is pve this is this is going to be pve i i only say that because gambit 
blurs the lines between PvE and PvP. So if it's a six-person activity that's more on that side than PvE, then I don't, I don't, I don't know whether it would be received as well. But who knows? I mean, no one knows better than Bungie. I think they'll have the data to support their decisions, like we talked about earlier. But I'm, yeah, I'm a little bit miffed for ideas for what they could do. I'm sure they'll come out and surprise us. I think just the fact that they're saying that this is a six-person activity, it almost eliminates Crucible because we already have a bunch of six-person activities in Crucible. So, And there's only one raid that is kind of a big deal. So for them to make this a standout thing, if it was just another Crucible map, they wouldn't highlight it in this way. Even if it was just a new Crucible mode, right? They would just write new crucible mode they wouldn't write new six person activity so that leads me to believe that maybe they activity kind of like what we have with uh the shattered throne right but with a six person uh feel to it and almost like what we got with the raid layers but instead of having puzzles, you have difficult enemies. So it's a shorter activity in the aspect of a raid layer, but it's different in the fact that it's very fast-paced and very combat-heavy where you're fighting waves of en enemies and you're fighting against time to beat this activity that lasts maybe 60 minutes. But after that 60-minute period, that's it. Like the mixture between like Strike and Prison of Elders or something like that, maybe. Like combining like the ideas from maybe both of those or something. Mm -hmm. And possibly. Yeah, these are all interesting ideas. For sure. Or maybe faction wars. Maybe they figured it out. And we maybe. and we got faction wars. Do you do you guys <laughs> think that we're we're likely to see faction rallies? this summer or do you think it's something they would hold off until the fall i think they'll hold off i think it'd be on the roadmap if we were gonna see yeah yeah i think you're right about that yeah it's it's we're probably not gonna see that to the fall and it's probably not gonna be called faction rallies again because of just the negative like you know they didn't move the needle <laughs> <laughs> they weren't very dynamic and interesting and you know they just they were very generic felt yeah, like i'm gonna i'm gonna go out and say that we're not gonna see faction rallies until probably october with the halloween event but that's just my thought either halloween or maybe the november event, because they might do the haunted forest again this year but we'll see. It's it's a lot of predicting and foreshadowing on things that we're just speculating. So take it for what it is. Take it with a grain of salt. We're just speculating. These are just ideas that we have for the future coming in June. And are, is there any hope for Crucible, guys? Or do you think that Crucible is doomed at least until the I mean... fall season? There's a glimmer of hope, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, I think that's as much as we can hope for now. For whatever they do at E3, if they do anything, they need to come out with something big for the Crucible, really. Something to 
reignite the fire because it's almost out for crucible yep yep that flame is almost out for sure like and i don't completely know what they will be able to do you know it's it's got to be something big like it can't be some you know something like i wouldn't mind some returning modes like they had before like rift maybe and you know some other stuff too um I would sure love for them to bring back SRL. That would be so awesome. I miss it. I miss SRL. You liked SRL? Yeah, I did. I miss it. I think they should bring it back, and they should never have taken it away. Yeah, I mean... It- That's my opinion. But that, fork- that forklift, though... Oh, they have the forklift on that one oh, map. Okay. Yeah. That one map, yeah. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> so, before we wrap things up for the night, what do you, what do you guys want to see in the upcoming season of Opulence? What would you like to see Bungie bring back or create as something that would make this final tribute to year two of destiny to go out with a bang well they've already confirmed like a solstice event i think haven't they so that'd be like yeah so that'd be tying up the loose ends in the uh i suppose it's clarifying and, and tying up any loose narrative ends really when you want to go into a big september expansion you want to have one clear like open narrative path which then they can then blow out with you know in any direction they want i think if we go into september with we'll probably have like two or three like cliffhanger moments where we're like we don't know what's happening with aldrin don't really know what's going on with drifter either you know, whether we're sided with the light or dark, or whether we're just going to walk the line. Is that what Aldrin was doing, walking the line between light and dark and got too far on one side? It's just, um, you know, a little bit of clarification there. But then they might just hold that all back until the fall and beyond anyway. So I'm just, I just want to get my teeth into what's next, really. I think that's pretty much where we're at with it. It's funny you mentioned that because Brandon O'Neill, he is the voice actor for Prince Aldrin, and he very recently tweeted some pretty interesting things uh, on his Twitter account. He posted a picture of Aldrin waking up, and it says he is risen. Mm. So it speculates that, you know, he's going to be coming back soon. We don't know exactly when he's coming back, but we know it's going to happen sometime in the near future. It could be that he comes back with the next season of Opulence. He might fit into the storyline with Callus, or they might hold off to bring him back until this fall. That's another possibility as well. Yeah, I think because the Aldrin, when we see him, won't be the Aldrin we remember. I think because he needs to find out who he is anyway. But if you remember the concept art for Forsaken, you had that what people thought was Marasav, but actually it's like this awoken figure with like this cape and sawn off shotgun 
and then it was later confirmed that that was Aldrin. And actually, that might be the Aldrin we get to see. That might be him now, but we just don't we just don't know it yet because that's not been realised in the game at all. But that was actually all with like the press pack and stuff when the game came out. So that's the only thing we haven't actually seen in the game, really. It's going to be really interesting to see how Aldrin fits into the storyline, especially with the turbulence that's going on between Ikora, the Vanguard, and the Drifter, and the uh, Honor um, group. Mm. So it's going to be really interesting to see where they take this storyline and how he fits into the tower, and can he become the next hunter vanguard and be accepted within their group because they don't know that he's back. They don't know what's going on, so it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays into what's next. And I don't know, do you guys think we'll see Aldrin in June, or do you think we're going to have to wait until September? I think it'd be late. Yeah, I think later. I think we were shown that vision in confidence, right? We're the only ones that actually... But, um, yeah, I think it'd be later. I think it won't be part of the annual pass. That's a different different thing, which is a shame because I, I really want to know. Um, but yeah, it gives them an opportunity to really flesh it out because it has massive narrative implications and stuff, so... Yeah, it's like because it's, it's like a plot twist, basically. So yeah, yeah exactly. Guys, what if at E three Bungie has like this video reveal for what's coming next? They kind of give you that little like thirty second video, like kind of what we got last year when they showed us uh, Cade Six essentially dying. Do you guys think that we might maybe get to see? Aldrin do some pretty cool stuff and some kind of video that shows us how he will play as a character as a role in the Destiny universe moving forward into the fall expansion and beyond. Uh yeah, I mean it would make sense cuz they yeah, they did that last year and it's E3, the biggest time of the year. Crazy, right? Yeah, they um, gotta have something. I'm, I'm guessing they gotta have something. Like, yeah. it's they've been there every year for to reveal something. So, I, I would think that they would do something to that effect. Drop something with big names: Savathun, Marasav, Aldrin Sav. Just like get all the big names in there, you know, and just like really like blow people's minds in terms of what what's even possible um if anyone's the king of hype it's bungie they know how to nail it so oh yeah i have confidence, I have confidence of whatever they show will get people yeah. super because we have all these players and all these moving parts right now you know like and so where where are they going to take that like mm -hmm. what what thread narrative is going to happen you know next you know that's going to lead us into the fall and everything yeah, and we have fallen victims to the bungee hype train many times before. I know that we tend to go all out when it comes to Destiny. I think that we, I can speak for myself and Shadow Price, that we've purchased the Collector's Edition every time that Bungie came out with one hmm. um, in the Destiny era. And it's really 
an awesome game, and I will continue to support them along this journey. And it's exciting. It's exciting to see what we will get next and what is coming in the future of Destiny. Now, real quick, before we wrap things up for the evening, are there any you want to see return with Season of Opulence? Um, as far as as far as um, like weapons, as far as like locations, yeah, any any exotics, whether it be you know Bones of Ao or whether it be the Galarhome, what would you like to see come back with the new season of Opulence as an exotic? Hmm. I heard Hawkmoon is probably coming. Hawkmoon's uh, been rumored. Yeah, I yeah. think like this go with and, and uh, Dark Drinker, Dark Drinker too as well. Some exotic swords would be absolutely dope. I think, yep, like, dark, just yep, dark drinkers coming. I, from what I heard, yeah, we've got so many hand cannons, and it's probably likely. But any of the swords, I'd take that. I like, and that's not really like cabal themed, but how the whole outbreak prime exotic was uncovered and everything like that. I think that's a pretty amazing exotic but i don't that's more siva based so unless they went down the siva route at some point in the future then maybe we might see that come back later but yeah i want, I want like icebreaker or zen meteor to come back like, zen, zen meteor didn't get a lot of love like it was mm. like it was a, it was there for a short like it was there in d1 it came out during like uh i think during the taken king like during the f- spring like after taken king released and you haven't seen it really since. Like, it's never made another appearance or no, anything like that. I would love for them to bring back the Gallarhorn. The Gallarhorn is a very special exotic that I think deserves to come back. If they're going to bring back weapons like Thunderlord... <laughs> I think um, it deserves to be part of that collection of weapons that we have and bring into Destiny 2 especially as we look forward to, you know, having another year of Destiny 2, moving into Destiny 3, it would make sense for them to bring that weapon back, and I would love to see that return. It might not return this uh, June. We might have to maybe wait until fall, and I'm okay with that also. As long as we get it either in the summer or in the fall, I would be okay with that. Or like Red Death or like Bad Juju or something like that. Yeah, those are also really good weapons too. Yeah, the Red Death. Oh, that was a really good one. That could be a really good one in the Crucible. Bad Juju, possible. It's a weapon of sorrow. Yeah. We've seen quite a lot of those already. So might see that. Plus it's not a hand cannon. So I know, so many <laughs> hand cannons. Rip. The hand <laughs> cannon <they're>, salt. <laughs> they'll, they'll bring back First Curse or something. And it's like, no, please. <laughs> not another so guardians i think it's that time that we wrap things up for the evening because we have other things to go do like sleep that's a thing yeah it's like 20 to 4 oh my goodness so, <laughs> you are <laughs> it's all good i'm i'm still well, uh, buzzing on coffee to be honest so thank you so much char for being on with us you were an awesome guest this evening and we had an absolute pleasure talking to you about destiny and learning more about you and how you got your youtube 
channel started. So thank you so much for being on with us this evening. No worries, man. I appreciate you having me in there. It's been good fun. Get to see the, the, the well, I say the real side of me, but it's obviously my, but you know what I mean, me as a person rather than me as a, my videos and stuff. So it's been, a, it's been good fun. It's been enjoyable. That's, yeah, that's absolutely. really great. Yeah. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And it's so great to meet awesome people like you and to learn more about your stories and how you got started and some of the challenges and tribulations that you went through along the way. And it's, it's such a great uh, experience to get a chance to learn more about uh, individuals like yourself, because you definitely inspire, especially myself as a content creator, trying to make it out there with just one YouTube video, let alone to see people like you with over 100 videos busting ass for eight months man i have so much respect for you so thank you so much keep at it keep creating awesome content and uh, keep inspiring future creators so thank you awesome appreciate it dude. and jarv before we let you go where can we learn more about you and your awesome content so you can find me pretty much anywhere um, so like twitter.com um, forward slash jarvenis, J-A-R-V-E-N-I-S. Uh, same for YouTube. If you put Jarv Destiny in, you'll find me on there. Um, on Xbox as well. I'm main Xbox, but I'm also on PC. So yeah, pretty much anywhere Jarvenis. Um, but if you put, type Jarv Destiny, I'll come up on, on YouTube as well. Awesome. And we will have all of this information in our show notes for this week. So you'll be able to get all of the information on where to find Jarv and all of his awesome content on YouTube. And um, Shadow Price, where can we learn more about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ShadowPrice79 and on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash I am Shadow Price. Awesome. And you can find my content and myself at OMG Cornholio on Twitter. I also have a Twitch account that will be going live soon at I am Cornholio. You can also find the Destiny Show podcast on all of your favorite platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Anchor, and more. You can find us on the web at www.destinyshow.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at The Destiny Show. And I am happy to announce that we are coming soon to YouTube and Twitch. We're hoping that we'll be on Twitch with our next week's episode. So definitely look out for that. We have a lot more awesome guests planned for you in the coming weeks and the coming months. And we're so excited to give you more awesome Destiny content each week to listen to. So thank you very much, Guardians, for listening to another episode of the Destiny Show podcast. And we will see you next week. And cut. Boom. Wow, Boom. we did it. We did the thing. We did that Boom. thing, that podcast thing that we do each week. That uh, <laughs> is, It's crazy. 15 episodes. My goodness. I can't that'd, believe it. That'd be, that'd be 150 before you know it. Time will just fly. You'll get into the flow. And then, yeah, time just gets eaten up.
My friend's got a warlock, she's a praxic snitch. That's right. Invites me every day. Every day. To play and get content that she can't complete. Cause she dies right away. Oh my god. She sits in the back, I work my hands to the bone. To the bone. To get those milestone and grim games. But she wants me to run her through a couple. Thanks for checking out this song. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to subscribe. And if you like me rambling on, you can always check out the Destiny Down Under podcast. We do that every week, which is a little bit more regular than this. Anyway, cheers. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Hey there, my name's Jameson, or Big Cat. And I am Brenna, or Mother Goose. And together, we are the hosts of the DL Weekly Gaming News. Each week, we bring you the top stories from last week, as well as something you might have missed. Our goal is to start a conversation about what's going on in the world of gaming. And every week, we have a special guest join us in the chat room, where we discuss a different gaming-related topic and learn more about our guests in the 60-second download. And if that isn't enough, we also have Slim Jims. So come and hang out with us every week and join in on the conversation. Good luck and have fun, everybody. And remember, keep your goose loose.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.